All right, good morning, everybody. Hopefully you can hear me. It looks like we're live and we're good to go. We had a few technical difficulties this morning, but that's okay. <laughs> Welcome all to the Gnostic Church and as my dog pukes up in the background. Welcome all to the Gnostic Church and Academy of Lord Jesus Christ. I am your teacher of the mysteries and preacher of the heart, Marty, Brother Marty Leeds. We're here again, live, Sunday service, 9 a.m. Central Standard Time, as we do every Sunday. Um, and we're live from the tent this morning. That's right, we're live from the tent. Just to let everybody know, we will not be doing a service next Sunday. We will not be doing a service next Sunday. I'm taking next Sunday off just because we are heading up to Wisconsin. Uh, my parents are coming down. We ended up having a few rain days this week, and so we haven't been able to uh, get a bunch of things done at the time that we needed to. So basically, we're going to be uh, busting ass this next week, and then we head up to Wisconsin, and we're doing a lot of things this next week. Um, one of the things, uh, problem is I I ended up having more of <laughs> fiberglass come out of my face this week. So I've basically spent all week, instead of working on a property, fixing my face. So um, so we're lucky that we're not live on our video this morning because, yeah, it doesn't look good. So anyway, so that's what I've been doing. So no service next Sunday, but we are going to be doing a lot of things. We're incorporating the church. We're finishing up the tenets of the order by the end of this month. We've got a documentary we're working on. Um, hopefully we'll get a children's book out. We haven't seen any of the art yet, so we may have to change artists. We're not really sure what's going on with that. but um, And we've got a ton of sermons coming up as well to let everybody know. Um, these are just some of the ones I'm working on, um, and there's a lot more that actually I haven't even listed here. So, uh, grifters, frauds, deceivers, and the deceived. Uh, the tarot deck will do. We'll we'll spend at least at least one Sunday on the tarot deck, if not two, at least the the, the major arcana, and talk about that. Uh, we're going to do one called the sacredness of sex and the sin of homosexuality. Talk about sex, basically human design kind of thing, about showing how uh, just the human design tells us uh, a, a lot about ourselves. Uh, we're going to finish the book of Matthew. Uh, we're gonna do. We're not going to go into Revelation like I said right away. Um, I actually, I, I'm thinking about this, and I was talking to our friend Bonnie, and she basically said, "Look, you really need to do the Book of John before you do John's Revelation." And she's a hundred percent right. She's a hundred percent right. So I think what we'll end up doing is doing the whole Book of John, and we'll end up doing all the Gospels, just like we're doing now. We'll do all the Gospels, and then we'll, uh, you know, we'll we'll dip into Revelation when we can. So uh, we're gonna do something on the Holy Marriage, talking about um, the sacredness of marriage and how to have a a good one. <laughs> uh, one called Teach Your Children Well, Honor Thy Parents. Um, we're going to de-occult the movie Pi. You guys know the movie Pi by uh, Arnofsky. Um, Jewish fella that encoded a bunch of absolutely uh, you know mystical stuff in that movie, so we'll de deconstruct that. The Universe in a Nutshell, Vortex-Based Math, and The Biggest Conspiracy in the World. So those are all things coming up. But today we're going to do one called If Why is the Question, Pi is the Answer, and this is episode 88. And so today we're going to talk about why we focus so much on pi, why uh, it's such a it's such a cornerstone in the teaching and things and, te and things like that. And we're gonna we're gonna this is going to be a very very I'm warning you right now. Okay, this is a very comprehensive lecture. There is a lot of math here. Okay, we'll be going over some things pretty damn quick. So you may have to watch this a couple times. Shit, it's better than anything else you're watching. Let's just say that. So it's <laughs> no problem there. So we're gonna talk a lot about pi today. A lot of math. Okay. So let's get into it, but first let's do it. Let's do it right. Let's do a prayer, okay? Oh, Heavenly Father, take me to the place where I'm saved from my pride and arrogance, and Christ's humility is center stage, where I'm lifting up clean hands and a pure heart to you. Take me to the place where I'm no longer looking at the mountains I face, but looking down upon them, where I can see clearly and my decisions are flooded with your light, truth, and justice. Father, 
I bend my knee and receive your truth. I open my ears to receive your counsel. I open my heart to receive your eternal wisdom. Amen. Okay, like I said today, we're going to talk a lot about pi, the mathematical constant of pi. And what we're going to see is pi is like a ghost. It's like a spirit. It's like God himself. It's everywhere. You just can't see it. You need to retune your mind. You need to, you need to elevate your mind into this mystical sort of mindset in order to see the ways in which God has placed his order everywhere. And one of the cornerstones of his order, as we'll, as we'll see today, is pi, um, because he frames the world with mathematics. Okay, So pi is like a ghost. It's, it's like spirit. It's, like, it's everywhere but you just can't see it. So today we're, I'm going to hopefully give you the eyes to see it. So this is something I said a long time ago. And, um, well, Claudia Pavona said it. I was just quoting her. It says, proof of God is found in mathematical proofs. And that's true. And that's along this journey along the way, uh, you know, over the years, it was always this thing like, you know, a thousand different people gave me a thousand different worldviews and religions and spiritual doctrines and things to do. And you got to do this and you got to, you have to sit in the lotus position and go, oh, and you have to believe this and you have to follow our denomination. And you have to do. And I got tired of listening to everybody. I got tired of listening to people try to tell me what the way to God is and things like that. I wanted proof of God. I didn't care about people's ideas or opinions or conjectures or theories. I hate theories, as you know. I wanted proof. Well, the place that I found proof of God is in, in, in mathematics. And then that has led to everything that we're doing today. So spirituality is a science because it is based in math. Okay, and this is what this is one of the, the things that you know. Once again, if you if you uh, you look into the Freemasonic doctrines, that's what you'll find. That basically, science you know, spirituality has a science, and it's based in number and geometry. When we look at the Freemasonic order, what are they what are they doing? Basically, well, they'll tell you what they're doing. The Freemasonry is synonymous with geometry. So when we say, hey, spirituality is a science and it's based in and the ideas, the philosophies, right? Um, all of the concepts are not even concepts because they're not just ideas made in your mind. These axioms in religion, if they make any sense, they have to be based on something that's verifiable, repeatable, something that you can put your own hands on or your own eyes on and see and figure out for yourself. In other words, God made all of this stuff available to everybody. So that anybody who want, who wanted to make a diligent and honest pursuit could come to find these truths, and this is why this is why it's, it's so powerful. So, you know, in other words, like when you look at something like the Trinity, it's like, oh, it's this doctrine of the Trinity. You need to believe this. They get have why? Tell me why. What does it mean? Explain it to me. You'll find out. Most Christians will just they'll just start stuttering. They have no idea, right? They'll argue forever about this. No, the Trinity is real and true because we can prove it. We can prove it. And that goes far beyond your beliefs and, and things like that. Freemasonry, when we talk about geometry being synonymous with Freemasonry, that's exactly what they say. The science, the holy science, the divine science that we're talking about is a science of symbolism. And we'll see that the best way to deconstruct symbolism is through what? Math and geometry. The science of symbolism, this comes from the Freemasonic Encyclopedia, the science which is engaged in the investigation of the meaning of symbols, of their application, of their interpretation to moral, religious, and philosophical instruction. In this sense, Freemasonry is essentially a science of symbolism. And this is why the truth community, pardon my language, shits the bed all the time when it comes to Freemasonry. I saw it again last night. You know, because they don't understand the science of symbolism, they have no intention of actually trying to learn it. And if they learn it, what they're going to find is the best, the best group that is actually teaching it was the Masons. Okay? 
Freemasonry is a system of morality developed and inculcated by the science of symbolism. Amen. That's exactly what it is. Okay? Um, Freemasonry is synonymous with geometry. So when we talk about a science of symbolism that, or a science of a symbolism that's based in geometry, we're, this is Freemasonry. In modern rituals, geometry is said to be the basis on which the superstructure of masonry is erected. And in the old constitutions of the medieval Freemasons of England, the most prominent place of all the sciences is given to geometry, which is made synonymous with masonry. What the masons were trying to pass on to people like us was that God is provable. Period. Climb, young lamb, up the number ladder. Seek your answers and question what you find. Once again, Claudia Pavonis, the alchemist Claudia Pavonis said that. Geometry is number and form. Numbers are a metaphysical language. That's what it is. They're incorruptible. They're everywhere. They're, they're axiomatic. They're available to all people. They're you know universal, that sort of thing. They're not physical. There is no number, physical number seven anywhere. Okay, but they're everywhere at once. Once again, this is, this is all the, um, the qualities and attributes that you would give to God incorruptible, universal, everywhere at once. Wait a second. Numbers are emanations from God. And that's what we'll talk about today. Numbers are emanations from God and themselves represents levels of consciousness and knowledge of the metaphysical. Knowledge of the metaphysical worlds. This is why angels are angles. They're, think about this. In the Christian canon, angels are directly related to numbers. The angles and angels. This is literally a word trickery, right? Wordplay. They, they, thought num they thought numbers were so metaphysically important that they personified them as angels. Think about that. What do we look at numbers as? Cold, dead, you know, artifacts of creation, blah, blah, blah. It's like they're lifeless. They're numb. That's why they're called numbers, right? We hate numbers. That's not what the old world thought. That's not what the old world thought at all. And that's, and by the by old world, I mean the very Bible that you're picking up today and reading. All of this is in there. Numbers are the highest degree of knowledge. It is knowledge itself, said Plato. Plato also said that no other branch of education has such a vast range of application as mathematics. It's a fact. Once again, I've said this numerous, numerous times. Name me one science that does not apply mathematics. You can't. You won't be able to. Okay, if that's the case for all the physical sciences, should we say the same for the metaphysical sciences? We can. We could say the same thing. Mathematics, is, its greatest advantage is this. Is, is it wakes up retards like Marty Leeds when he was young and dumb. <laughs> That's exactly what it did. Mathematics wakes up the individual who is by nature sleepy and slow-witted, like Marty, sharpening his memory and wits and leading him beyond his normal capacity by divine art. Mathematics is a divine art. Now, I made this post about... Um, so I've had this relationship with Pi for a long time, a love affair with Pi. I was born on January 31st, 1979. I'm just gonna, I just want to show you this, so the crazy synchronicities and things like that. I was born on January 31st, 1979, right? And, for, you know, basically by the time I got to be like 29, whatever it was, in that time period, somewhere around there, I started heavily, 28, something like that, you know, researching math and then got fell in love with pie. And then it's been basically this, you know, cornerstone throughout my whole life now, leading directly to God. This is Daniel Tammet, and he's this sort of savant guy, right? And he's got this unbelievable, uh, you know, intellectual capacity with uh, or um, abilities with mathematics. He can actually like see numbers in his head, and they have qualities and colors and things like that, right? That's at least what he says. And basically, this savant Daniel Tammet is was able to calculate more than twenty thousand digits of pi, right? 
So this guy, and he was born on January 31st, 1979. I was born on January 31st, 1979. Love pie. I'm completely infatuated with it. People know me as the pie guy. And Daniel Tama was born on January 31st, 1979. And he's a pie guy. <laughs> so it's just weird how this these things show up in your life synchronistically too. Because it's not just numbers and calculations and stuff like that. That's all ridiculous. It, really, there's a poetry. There's a magic to it. There's little miracles that show up. When I was first getting into Pi, when I wrote the first book called Pi the Great Work when I was about 32, 33 years old, I basically, right before that, a year or two before that, whatever it was, I joined a band called Jamalia. And um, I, so I played in this band for a while. And the 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 a band that they used to, we used to open up for all the time, the lead guitar player, um, they were like a fish cover band kind of thing. The, the lead guitar player had a pie sticker. It was a custom shop guitar and he had a pie sticker put on his custom shop guitar. Not only that, the, the, the I swear to God, the um, keyboard player, Brett Moser, uh, when I first, the first time I was recording with this band, I was in the hot tub and this guy's place we were recording and Brett Moser, the, the keyboard player was in there and he had a pie symbol on his arm. It was tattooed on his arm. And so this was all, you know, all this stuff was happening as I was coming to Pi, right? So crazy, crazy things that can happen. What I'm, The reason I'm pointing this out is that mathematics is not cold and dry and numb and things like that. They're, this is why they've taught us to hate math, because they don't want us to understand God's language and how magical it is and how it can actually show up in your life in all these crazy, amazing ways. So what we're going to do today is go over 13 different things as why pi is related to God. It's like, why pi, Marty? Why? Well, today we're going to go over extensively, comprehensively, exactly why this mathematical constant pi is related to God. And we're going to see it all over the the, the world, really. Um, I'm going to read this. Frank C. Higgins. Many Hebrews, many Hebrews and Greeks employ the respective numbers to the um, employ uh, respective numbers to their alphabets to this day. Almost all of the ancient names of deity of God, when their letters are resolved into numbers, are found to consist of what are sometimes called cosmic numbers, what we call universal constants or mathematical constants. The ineffable name of God is the most re remarkable of these Kabbalistic words because it can be shown in various ways to be the pivotal formula upon which turn the seven primitive sciences of the Chaldeans. So here's Frank C. Higgins saying, hey, the name of God, this holy ineffable name of God is given a mathematical constant. And not only that, it leads to the seven primitive sciences. What are those seven primitive sciences? Well, if you've been following along in the National Church Academy of Lord Jesus Christ, you know what they are. It's the seven classic liberal arts. In other words, guys, this holy science that we're uncovering, that we're teaching at this channel, that I'm writing in books, that I'm teaching to you guys, has been known since the dawn of time, as far as we can tell. This is what Kabbalists will actually say where Kabbalah was born. It was born in a theosophical school from angels in paradise. This is literally what they say. Of course, it's all just metaphor. It's all, you know, mythology in that sort of sense. But, there, but there's, a, there's a point. There's a, you know, heavy you know, meaning to that mythology. It is completely in accord, Frank C. Higgins goes on to say, it is completely in accord with the ancient philosophy, which in apostrophizing the deity as the pi proportion, the pi proportion, the living Elohim, the pi proportion endowed with omnipotent self-exertion and the ordering of inchoate matter. In other words, the word, the logos, Christ almighty active in cosmos. Jesus Christ is related 
in the mathematical language of God to pi, is what we're saying. The pi proportion is something that is never absent. It's everywhere, and we'll see it today. The pi proportion is something that is never absent in one form or another from every one of the world's primitive religions and certainly enters deeply and radically into the philosophies that have given rise to what in these days we call masonry. If you study masonry, you get down to the core of masonry, it will lead you to a mathematical proof of the God. Today, we're, in order to find pi everywhere, what we're going to do is focus on the monad because this is something that we show all the time. And what we're going to see is in this, in this, in one sense, this is directly related to pi. This comes from John D. This is theorem one. Notice John D in his book called the hieroglyphic monad here. This is page one. <laughs> Notice he didn't call them theories. Theory number one. John D. has a theory. I've got a good, some good ideas, a collection of things that I'm going to tell you that I believe. No. We know the difference between a theorem, which is a proof, and a theory, which is an ex explanation for some shit. We don't care about theories. We want the proofs. Theorem proof, number one, in other words, from John D. It is by the straight line and the circle that the first and most simple example and representation of all things may be demonstrated. Amen. <laughs> Whether such things be either non-existent or merely hidden under nature's veils. So from the hieroglyphic monad, he's telling us, hey man, uh, the straight line and the circle. What's a straight line and a circle? Well, it's pi. What is pi? So before we get into all this, let's do a review for all you newbies. Pi is the ratio of a circle circumference to its diameter. So in other words, you make a line down the center of a circle, you find the relationship between the diameter and the circumference, and what you're going to get is this infinite transcendental number being 3.14159265358979323846268, etc., 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 right? It goes on and on and on. What we're going to show today is that, once again, understanding our reality, understanding God, coming to God, living in alignment with God, right, has a science. I'm going to say that again, has a science to it. So this is why I'm pretty staunch. This is why I'm pretty robust, if you will, when I say there's a new level of truth-seeking that's happening right now before everyone's eyes. That's what's happening right now over the Gnostic Church and Academy of Lord Jesus Christ. All of this stuff is being unveiled right before people's eyes. And right now, we're going to go through the process of seeing who has the eyes to see it and the ears to hear it and who does not. And all those people that keep ripping on masonry and the masons, what you're going to do is miss out on the holy science and that's on your shoulders. That's in your hands. There's nothing we can do about it. All we can do is continue on being as you know comprehensive as we do and, and show you this. And it's just like flat earth. It's just like when I was talking to um, th this, this subject and all of these things that we're going to discuss today is no different than flat earth. It's when I was talking to Stephen Carpenter of the Deftones. Name drop. Oh, shit. No, I was talking to Stephen Carpenter of the Deftones. And he was basically saying the same thing. He's like, I could show you all the proofs of flat earth. I could, I could tell you all the things, everything I know, and none of it's going to make any difference unless you come to see it yourself. And that takes an elevation of consciousness, that takes dedication, that takes a fierce truth seeker. And that's the people, and I'm not just blowing smoke up your booties this morning here. That's the kind of people that should be in this congregation and are in this congregation. That's the kind of people that should be here. If you can't handle it, you should get out because we got a lot of good work to do. We got a lot of great work to do. And we're going to do that work. 
And what we're going to do is prove for the next generation that, that God is not some idea that you could, maybe God exists, he doesn't. No, that's not what God is all about. God wants us to prove him. So we're going to talk about the 13 things of why pi is related to God. Number one, wholeness and singularity. That's what pi represents. Some of these we're going to go over pretty quick, but wholeness, excuse me, wholeness and singularity. Right? You basically have when, how do you create pi? You create it with a compasses and a square. You create it with the tools of masonry. Ooh. Right? So your compass makes a perfect circle and that circle encapsulates the most amount of space. We'll, we'll get into that in just a second. So that, so that circle that encapsulates the most amount of space, that represents wholeness. It's, it's with a, with one line, you're grabbing as much as you possibly can in a two dimensional space with a geometric form. That's naturally a symbol of wholeness. Now, the point in the center of that compass, right, in order to create this, you know, once again, to find the center, if you will, to even create the line of pi, right? What is that? Well, it's just a singular point. And what does it represent? Singularity. It's just a single point, right? So in this, just the creation of the monad, which leading to the creation of pi, what do you have? You have singularity and wholeness, finite and the infinite. What do I mean by infinite? The most, you know, in this sense, the infinite, the largest, the largest you could possibly go. Infinity does not necessarily need to be linear, by the way. You can have infinity in a Mobius strip. So people, I've heard people argue that infinity is not a thing. You're, I'm sorry. You need to get some geometry in your head, son. So ge you can use ge geometric forms to form thoughts. It's actually, if you are hyper analytical with your thinking, which I've been for many, many years, you will find out that you will tend to think numerically, geometrically, and the more and more you align with it, I'm just telling you, the more and more ordered and fr and the more and more your, um, how do I say this? The framework of your mind will be understood by you. You'll be able to, oh, that's what I put, you know, it's like I said it like this. Long For the longest time, I ended up putting a bunch of stuff in my head, right? I just threw stuff in my head and it's like, brrr, just this idea and this thing and this proof and this blah, blah, blah. Threw it all in my head. And then one day after studying intensely with you know numbers and geometry and pi and things like that, it was like all of that information rolodexed itself. It, like it, it was like it all of a sudden the logos, the order came in. It was like, oh, this mess that you had, you, it was like Jordan Peterson came in and said, clean your room. <laughs> I cleaned my room. And I could figure out where all of that stuff was because it was like perfectly ordered because I was using geometry to form my thoughts, okay? So a circle encapsulates the most amount of space. It also has an immeasurability because of the infinitude of pi. Because, and we'll get into that, pi is an infinite nature, or it's an infinite number. So you can't ever really encapsulate, you can't ever really find the volume of a circle, or the, excuse me, the, the area of a circle. But now look at the square, very measurable, very rational. It's 90 degree corners. You can find the area, stuff like that. These are basic geometric forms that God has given us. They're metaphysical that actually tell us about, you know, uh, well, I mean, we'll, we'll see that the, these two things actually represent our entire cosmos. So we'll get to that. A triangle encapsulates the least amount of space, three point reconciles. Okay. So basically this idea that look, pi is telling us about wholeness and singularity. It's telling us how to, that we can use geometry to form our thoughts. And when you look at this, this is, this is one of these alchemical illustrations. It says all things in one and one in all. This, this is exactly what this means. When you look at like the infinitude, right? The circle that encapsulates everything, the wholeness, what it's encapsulating everything that's within it. So even though there's a singularity, there's a oneness inside that circle. What is that oneness attached to, though? All of the area around it and everything that's within the circle. As we've talked about before, well, what's outside the circle? No, 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 no. No, this is God. There is nothing outside that circle, dummy. 
There is nothing to explain. There are no words. There are no geometric forms. There are no things you can point to, symbols to say, this is what's outside that circle. Outside that circle is God Almighty, and that's where you fail. That's where you can't discuss it, you know, describe anything, define anything. Okay? So, wholeness and singularity. Number two, everything and nothing. Think about the geometric forms of the circle and the line. Once again, why are we really, because basically what, why are we relating pi to God? Because we can, we can see that everything about this simple geometric form tells us enormous things about the experience that we're in. Okay. Zero and one, nothing and everything. The zero is the circle. Of course, the one, the line is the one. What is nothing and everything? The numbers zero and one are the first two numbers or non-number and unit in our ascending number line. The first principles of absence and immateriality being zero and the totality of all being one represent everything and nothing. So you think about it, in our number line, we're given the first two numbers as it is in our, you know, our number system, is it basically what? A circle and a line. And what does that do? It creates the geometry of pi. What else is it? It's everything and nothing. It's the absence of everything, the immateriality being zero and the totality of everything being oneness. The concept of everything negates the concept of nothing though, and vice versa. If you have, right? If there is no thing, then there can't be anything. But if there is everything, there can't be nothing. What's going on here? The geometry of pi, what we're gonna see is, just like God resolves all paradoxes, that'll be the 13th one on this list, God resolves all paradoxes, right? So pi is a representation of God <clears throat> Resolving all paradoxes. The geometry of pi brings together this paradox naturally within its form. It is the perfect representation of the uniting of opposites, which we'll get into. It's nothing and everything. It's the metaphysical and the physical together. It's almost like everything we experience. We'll get into that. Rationality and irrationality, number three. Okay, let's talk about irrationality and irrationality. What do we mean? Pi is an irrational number. What does irrational mean? It means there's no two numbers that you can use to divide to get this endless string of digits called pi. Okay, that's, that means that there's no ratio. It's irrational. What does it mean to be rational? Well, it's just something that's rational. I think we understand what rational means, right? There's no, think about this. Think about the number pi and the geometry of pi. Okay. There is nothing more rational to the mind and to the eye than that of the line and the circle. Perfectly rational. It's just a simple and you know reasonable, straightforward. There's nothing more sensible and fluid than the circular twirl of a compass or striking a line with one's pencils down, uh, with one's pencil down the length of a square. Very simple, very rational. Children can do it, right? It's only when we wish to calculate the numerical relationship between the circle and the line. Do we find the irrationality and infinitude of pi? So think about it. This, so when we look at this, geometrically, very rational. Very rational to our mind. It's just a circle and a line. We go to calculate that. Numerically, what happens? We get this endless string of digits that you can't reproduce with any two numbers. There's no ratio. And all it is is, you know, basically just measuring the circle and line. What is God giving us here? Just within the number and the geometry. That's a mystery. It's an absolute mystery. And that, of course, that's what God is. That's why we are the mystery school tradition. So we look at pi, we're like, oh, geometrically, very rational. Numerically, irrational. What is it? There's a mystery in the measurement. 
it, it automatically, naturally, and this is exactly what it did to me, guys. I will just, this is, I'm just telling you point by point, we're doing the Bob Costas of Marty's uh, 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 spiritual awakening here through Pi. This is exactly what it did to me. When I started just questioning these things, I'm like, why is that? Like, why shouldn't, why does this come, number come out to be this endless string of digits? Why is it just not three and simple? It's because God is leaving us a mystery for us to pry into, to pry into, if you will. Number four, oneness and separation. This is simple. Once again, these are all the philosophies inherent within the natural geometry of pi. What do you guys see here? Look at it. Study it. Look at it as it's a mandala. You're going to focus on this and say, what do you have to show me? This is, this is where, this is where the, a, a true mystic exists to find the complexity in the simple, right? To find God in a, you know, in a, in a, in a grain of sand. That's what it's all about. What do you find here? So this is wholeness, or excuse me, oneness and separation. The oneness is the circle, encapsulates everything. It's taking everything, you know, in that two-dimensional space and grabbing everything. And then what is it doing? So it's wholeness. It's three hundred. It's a three hundred sixty-degree circle, wholeness. And then what's it doing naturally? There's a split down the middle of it. Okay, so once again, paradoxical, just like irrationality and irrationality, just like wholeness and singularity. What is Pi giving us? Oneness, the oneness of the circle, and separation. Wait a second. Isn't that what it's like? It's like what we're experiencing on Earth here, where it's like we we know that we're at one with God and we're completely connected with God. We know this in our hearts. We know, we can we know this by our experience, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. We know this by our Holy Scripture. So we know that we have a oneness of God, but we also know we're separated. We also know that, like, hey, there's a goal. We want to climb that 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 uh, that that ladder up the number line. We've got a goal it's because we want to be reunited with God. So the 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 geometry of pi, in other words, <laughs> oops, sorry, the geometry of pi, in other words, tells us about our predicament here. Think about it. Naturally. All of that from a circle and a line? You bet your ass. That's how God works. That's how God works. <clears throat> now this is this is going to be an extensive one. This is, We're going to take some time on this one because we're going to uncover pi in the names of a lot of gods here, okay? And, um, and we'll see it in all six ways to Sunday, as they say. Number five, the primordial scission and let there be light. Okay. First off, what is the primordial scission? Scission means to cut. Okay? And primordial means first of. So it's like basically the first cut, or the first scission. And let there be light we know is the word. Is God saying let there be light? This is when God spoke all of creation into being from the nothingness. Just as it says in the Bible, it's in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth and the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Right? Remember all that? The Spirit of God moved by. There was nothing. The earth had no form. It was darkness and deep and void. That's nothing. That's a zeroness. And then all of a sudden, boom, we had a light. So there was a, what they call, this is what Ari Schwalder de Lubitsch, who's an Egyptologist, called the primordial scission. It's where God left that first state of just being himself. God was just being, he's just hanging out, being like total godly and stuff. And next thing you know, he's like, I'm going to decide to make creation. Then what did he do? He said, let there be light. That is called what's called the primordial scission. So we can even, once again, the, the creation story of this entire cosmos is in our head 
and it's in our numbers, and it's in the geometry. God did not just leave us to be like, yeah, figure it all out yourself. No, he gave us the tools. So there's, there's the beginning. There's God just hanging out. And why is God, why are we relating God to a circle? Well, because in our mind, the only thing we can do is relate God to a circle. He encapsulates the most amount of space. He's grabbing everything. It's the totality. It's wholeness, right? And in that beginning, so all of a sudden, boom. So we had that circle. And next thing you know, that we had the primordial scission in which God said, let there be light. And so we had a separation. We had a cutting open of the, if you will, metaphorically speaking, of the original wholeness. And what was let out? Chaos. Random mutations and natural selection, right? What was what was emanated out from that primordial scission? The word, God. Okay. So when we look at this, so here's our God just hanging out in, in the beginning. God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and He was just hanging out in being God in the metaphysical realms. Then God wanted to make the the physical realms, so He cut Himself. There was a separation, if you will. And that was the God saying, let there be light. And that is the form, that is the forming of what the physical world. So now what do we have? We have metaphysical and physical. This is the first thing that happened in creation. It's literally in your mind. You can go there. What was the separation? Well, it's the separation that you'll find literally across the world. The Norse say, in the beginning, there was fire and ice. Right? No, that that is specifically speaking about geometry. It's specifically speaking about the physical and metaphysical worlds. So this primordial decision, we had God just being God, just chilling out, doing God-like stuff, and then all of a sudden he split. And what was that split? It was the physical and metaphysical. It was the heaven and the earth. And then after that, do you know what they do? Do you know what these sacred geometricians and these master philosophers did? These 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 sages and gurus and, and bishops and all this other stuff, they gave these uh, this physical and metaphysical geometric forms. It's been known across the world. We'll cover a bunch here. This separation, this primordial scission, which God said, let there be light, is our cosmology. It's literally what we experience. The above and the below. Even codified, once again, in, in um, the, um, the Lord's Prayer. In earth as it is in heaven. Above and below, we've talked about this enough. Metaphysical, physical, the unknown, the known, the incorruptible, the corruptible, the corporeal, the incorporeal. Everything above you is metaphysical. It's beyond the physical. You can't touch the sun, can't touch the moon, not going to go drive cars around Mars. That's not, that's not a thing. So this primordial decision. So this is literally the first thing that you're given in the good book. All of that story in the good book has a mathematical archetype or, or correlate. Of course, this, once again, I'm just going to go over this real quick, okay? This primordial scission, spirit and matter, heaven and earth is found around the world. Once again, this is why we say that this is when you when you get to Gnosticism and you get to Freemasonry and you do comparative mythology and stuff like this. And once again, you're just dedicated and honest with the subjects. There's no, there, pretty, like everywhere you go, you'll find this. Why? Because these cultures around the world understood God, you know, the God's intelligence. <clears throat> okay. Pre-Masonic compass and square. Nuan Fu Chi. That's the Chinese mother and fa father God in the middle. Compasses and square. Giving you the same thing. What do you create with the compasses and square? Square and circle. What, what a straight line in a circle. You create the geometry of pi for Christ's sake. That's what you do. 
the Buddha stupa, right? By the way, that G will cover that. That encodes pi. The mandala, what is it? It's a circle and a square. What do you use the compasses and square to do? Create the geometry of pi. There's alchemy. Once again, a lot of this stuff is uh, some review for a lot of people, but there's the Vitruvian man, etc., etc. Architecture, uh, Christian cathedrals around the world. You'll find the circle and square motif in there. There's no question about it. It's it's once again, you'll just see it everywhere. So, so in in the la in the universal language of mathematics, pi represents this. Let there be light. Pi is literally the mathematical constant to say, hey, this is the word in the in the in the study of math, and that's what it is. So when we say, hey, Christ, it's not like really Christ is a number. He's some geometry. No, that's not what we're saying at all. In Christ is Christ, as a Christ is. But in the language of, of mathematics, in the language of number and geometry, Christ or the Christ figure, God, the deity, is absolutely apostrophized, if you will, using the pi proportion. Okay? How do we know this? Well, what God said, let there be light. What is the first thing? God opens his mouth to say, let there be light. Correct? Correct. This is the Hebrew word for mouth. It's pi. It's pay. It's what it is. So, you know, God said, let there be light. And what was the first thing that came out? According, it just, forget about all the math. Just, just go to the Hebrew alphabet. What do they tell you? Pi. So what is this word? We say that God said, let there be light. This is the word that came out. This is from the primordial decision. We're given incorruptible, incorruptible, metaphysical, physical, heaven and earth, spirit and matter, right? From those, this duality, if you will, which actually comes from oneness, as we know, it all in one, one and all. From this, right, from the separation, we have the word that that emanates out. What is that? It represents design or, excuse me, it represents design. It represents natural order, represents purpose. We have a purpose here, a very divine purpose. It represents our consciousness. It represents the reason to be reasonable, logical, rational, okay? Uh, wisdom and incorruptible truth. That's what it is. We also know that, once again, when we realize that the word, you know, because Christians talk about the word or religions around the world have, have mentioned the word and then they just say it and then they start talking about it in this like philosophical abstract nature and shit. It's like, well, it means this and because Saint this guy said some shit and blah, 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 blah. No, give us something we can chew on. We need some meat. We need some meat, son. Actually, Willie needs some meat. I think he needs meat. Milk and mama is what you need. We need to stop with your philosophies. Stop with your ideas. Stop with your like, this is how I think it works. Who cares? We need something that we can put pen to paper. Something that we can say, oh, what this guy's saying is true. So when we look at the word, this, this, this notion of the word, this axiom, universal axiom of the word, it's like, no, no, it's, there's a, it's the light. It's the visible world that the word is. God said, let there be light. It has a geometry. That geometry has numbers to it. That numbers, as we see, and the geometry has intrinsic, inherent uh, spiritual philosophies behind it. Full stop. It's also what? When we say God said, let there be light, that's an emanation. That's a sound. That's a vibration. That's a frequency. As I think we're starting to come to know, or it's really, we're you know, this, this knowledge is really coming back, is that this world is very much run by sound. You know, um, healing, sound healing, um, just everything. So, um, but yeah, so that's, so this is what, you know, and once again, I'm going to go over this pretty quick here because once this is a review for a lot of people, but this notion of the word is not just a biblical thing. It's found all over the world. 
The Egyptian Book of the Dead says, Oh, the sun god Ra, I am the eternal, I am Ra. I am that which created the word, I am the word. It's literally what it says. The Aum, I'll get into that in just a second, which is the, um, the beginning was Brahman, with whom was the Word, and the Word was truly supreme Brahman. Do you think those ancient Hindus understood Christ? Yes, they absolutely did. Did they call him Lord Jesus Christ? Did they read the Holy Bible? No, but did they understand the transcendence of Christ? They absolutely did. Hence, one of the reasons that we honor all the great traditions. Christ is all and with, with you know above all through all and within you all. Well, there that if that's true, then we should be able to go into Hinduism and find it. Correct, correct. So um, once again, Therion out of light, a holy word, Logos descended on that nature. What is that? That's Hermes Mercurius Trismegistus. That's the word. That's the word. Here's the Om symbol, which by the way, the Om is literally a word. It's the first syllable that merged. Um, from the, the, you know, basically symbolizes the universe and the ultimate reality. It's the word, it's the syllable that, emer three, three sound syllables that emerge beginning. What is that? It looks like a three with a tail swooping off it, doesn't it? I don't know if that's just a coincidence, but the holy word is a three with a tail swooping off it. Is that really? What? Three letters? Really? Anyway, so um, this is the, I'm just, once again, review for a lot of people. The Chalam Balam, this is the Mayan. Listen to this. When there was neither heaven nor earth, sounded the first word of the one. It unloosed God's self from stone-like silence and it declared its divinity, and all the vastness of eternity shuddered. <laughs> so, the, the word found all over the world. That's appropriate. That's what you should find. If God is true, verifiable, can be found everywhere, and is, you know, uh, is, is found in a proof, then that's... That's reasonable. This is uh, William Blake. I'm going to read this again. Hear the voice of the bard, who present, past, and future sees, whose ears have heard the holy word that walked among the ancient trees, calling the lapsed soul and weeping in the evening dew that might control the starry pole and fallen, fallen light renew. <laughs> That's badass. That's badass. This word as we know, and this is where, um, you know, the work of the National Church Academy, Lord Jesus Christ, comes in. You know, this is why we say this is like next level truth seeking, because we're coming to a place where we can know now. When people are like, do you believe in God? I made a video bashing on Jordan Peterson for this because it's like, well, it depends what you mean by God. And so it's like, okay, yes, I, I agree with that. Depends what you mean by God. I agree. But the problem is, is now we're in a realm where we don't need to do endless discussions and, and you know, conferences and discussing. Maybe there's a God. I've got some theories. Here's some, I got a universe. I've got the toe. I've got the theory of everything. I've got the, no, 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 no. Now we're at a stage where we can come to know. We can come to prove these things. And that's really going to be the, 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 the bar that separates people moving forward is whether you are ready to actually prove God or you're going to dilly-dally around in whatever your theories and worldviews are. And as we're seeing, I think a lot of people are dilly-dallying around in their worldviews and theories and we'll let them dilly and dally. So pi, the mathematical constant of pi, is encoded in our alphabet. Period. The number seven is represented by the letters G and T. There's the cipher down below. The G is found on the main emblem of the Fraternal Order of the Freemasons. And seven, using the septenary cipher there, 
is um, SEVEN is 65551 and equals 22. And 22 and 7 divided are 3.142. So, um, you know, the, the number 7 encodes pi in our English alphabet. Now, we just talked about how Frank C. Higgins, you know, and we'll get into this in just a second, but Frank C. Higgins was talking about the fact that it's like, hey, man, you know, it's like, oh, these, the seven primitive sciences of the Chaldeans, what are those seven primitive sciences? Once again, this is the this is the difference between people stumbling around trying to figure out the world and actually going to the educational system that will tell you what's going on. The seven classic liberal arts. And what was it based on? You say, oh, well, it was all based on studying these deities that had cosmic numbers. Then we go seven, 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 seven. And then we go into our language and we look at the number seven. And what do we find? The cosmic number related right to God, pi. And this is why this becomes important. For those people that think that this is some original thing made up by Marty Leeds, eh, wrong. This comes from the Rosicrucian, I think this is a Rosicrucian document. Listen to this. Oh man, <laughs> this is essentially what we're saying. This is essentially what we've been saying the last two years, whatever it's been. Oh man, no God in thyself. No God in thyself. Not believe, not like, oh, maybe I got some theories. I think God is this. Who gives a shit? This is not me being harsh. This is how harsh you should be on yourself. When you go into your 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 you know musings and your meanderings in your mind and you're trying to formulate and trying to figure out what's going on in this world, be be diligent, be harsh. Be like, am I just is this just a bunch of conjecture in my head or can I prove the things I'm thinking? Okay? You want this is why we're Gnostics. We want to know. Oh man, know God and thyself, know him. And thou shalt not want in heaven and on earth. Deceptinaris mystery, the mystery of seven, in other words. Then it says this about the hidden, holy, wondrous cipher one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, being full of divine secrets and natural obscurity in the light of mercy and of nature, that is, the revelation and true and right knowledge of Jesus Christ, God and man all earthly and heavenly wisdom in heaven and on earth. So when I say that this cipher here and the number seven, this is not something that I made up. This is, this is why I don't take credit for any of this stuff. This is why I do not even put my names on my books anymore. This is why I do not call this the Marty Leeds cipher because I don't own shit. I know myself and I know God and I know God owns and runs this whole thing. So the only thing I can do is honor that, admit it, point it out and teach it. Seven, of course, once again, why seven? Seven classic liberal arts. We find seven heralded across the world. The seven operations of alchemy, the seven gifts from the Holy Spirit. Seven times blood had to be sprinkled on the altar. Seven days in Egypt, all the water was water and all, all was water and blood. Seven branches had the cold, had the golden candlestick, and seven golden candlesticks and new seven spirits before God's throne, and seven seals to the book. Seven, 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 seven. It is singular to observe. This comes from Freemasonry again. It is singular to observe the important part occupied by the number seven in all the ancient systems. There were, instant, for instance, seven ancient planets and seven Pleiades and seven days of the week and seven, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Seven is pi. It's the name of God, right? Now, not actual seven is the name of God, but you get what I'm saying. This name of God that doesn't really have a name. You can't, you know, it's just pointing to geometry and number in this sense, right? 
once again, when we do this whole thing, so here we are going through all the books of the Bible right now, right? I mean, not all the books, but we're going through, you know, the Gospels right now. Matthew, we just did Mark. And again and again and again, we go to chapter after chapter. We say, ah, oh, it's all about Aries. It's all about lifting up. It's all about raising that, raising that spirit up to the high, the, the, the high ram, the Golgotha, right? The high place. That's where God is, etc. And then we even go and point out exactly where that is. And that's the ram. That's the lamb. That's on your head. That's on the Zodiac man. And then we find out that what? Seven is six, five, 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 one. And the mirror of that is one, five, 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 six, which is Aries. Seven and Aries are a mirror of one another. In other words, they're both pointing to the exact same numbers that point to pi. Do you know what Aries is? It's the ram. Ram is R-A-M. It's seven. So in other words, Aries Ram is 22 and 7. It encodes pi. In other words, all of these things we're talking about, pi is a representation of God, it's a representation of the high places, about lifting the spirit up, and the, you know, et cetera, et cetera. All of this is literally encoded in our language. And I'm just waiting, I'm just sitting here waiting for people to actually acknowledge it and point it out. Like, where, where are you guys? There's a, there's a new world being formed right now. Not a new world order like they want. A new world that's being formed. All of this stuff is coming to surface. You'll jump on flat earth and talk about it for years, but not bring this up? Why? Well, I think I know why now. I think I know why. Because it's just like we were talking about with Stephen Carpenter and flat earth. They could be handed all of this information. They could be handed all the proofs. They could do the proofs themselves. But unless they prepare their spirit for it, it don't mean jack all. Don't mean anything. And that's why it's so easy to just pass on by the Gnostic Church and Academy of Lord Jesus Christ. Now we're going to hit this home. This is important. Exodus. So this is all this places that Pi is found in the name of God. Okay? None of which have been placed here by me, once again. This is Exodus 3.14. This is where God reveals himself to Moses. There's no question about this. Even... Even Jewish Kabbalists and Hebrew scholars and rabbis and stuff will tell you this. It's in Exodus 3.14. And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. All right. Names of God in Judaism. We'll do this and then we'll, take, we'll show all these and then we'll take a little break here. The names of God in Judaism. So this is once again, we talked about last week. They're anti-Semitic. What? No, no. We honor and teach the Semitic languages as we're going to do today. This is brilliant, guys. I know I have a lot of criti criticisms towards Jews and Pharisees and scribes. Oh, I, and there's more coming. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> That's going to be a lifelong goal, I think. Anyway, um, lots of criticisms towards the religion and how that religion is practiced and how that religion is <clears throat> anti-Christ. But I'll tell you this. The language is brilliant. It's brilliant. Okay? This is this, and I'll show you. This is the seven names of God. Judaism considers some names of God so holy that once written, they should not be erased. What does that mean? What is the symbolism of that? Meaning that with, if it's written, it shouldn't be erased. It means it's forever. It's eternal. It's incorruptible. It's universal. That's the symbolism. Why, do, why else do you think that like in, in Islam and you also have in, in uh, Hebrew, it's called Hashem, the name. They don't, they don't have it a name. They say you can't make a symbol or a name of God or anything like that. Because it's ineffable. It's unnameable. So there's seven names of God. And we're going to cover, I think, four of these or something like that. I was going to do all of them, but we just have too much stuff to do today. I'm sorry. So um, Yahweh Adane, El, Elohim, 
El Shaddai or Shaddai, um, Adane, I can't even say that, Sephawath or whatever, and then um, sometimes I am that I am is included in these seven names of God. So there's seven, by the way, right? And one of them even includes Exodus 3.14. So these seven names of God, I just want to I just want to mention this. They placed on their hands. They literally wrote the all of this stuff that Marty's doing with his phalanges and pointing out that it's all they, they were they literally did this shit. There's the Hebrew letters placed on the phalanges of the hands. And what are they counting? All 28 phalanges, which is what? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. We've covered that. We'll cover that again. Adding one through seven is 28. And that's what they're doing. So seven names of God put on the hands. <laughs> you couldn't make it up. It's like, once again, Marty, the most unoriginal person on the internet. So there's the seven names of God. And we'll, I'm just going to go over a few of these here. So the first one we're going to do is, so there's El, Elohim, Yahweh, Adane, Ahaya, Asher, Ahaya, I don't know if I'm saying that correctly, Shaddai, and Sabaat. I'm sure I'm saying that incorrectly. You guys know that my pronunciation is god-awful sometimes, but you forgive me. Shaddai, this is one of the names of God. Read it. It's 300-410. Shin, Dalet, um, Yad. It's 314. Here's Elohim. Once again, there's El. We'll get into El and Elohim. I'll do El separately. Here's Hebrew gematria of Elohim. Uh, on the upper left there, there's just the whole word. So Elohim, it's reading right to left. It's, you know, what is it? I don't know what these. Alev, Lamed, uh, he, Yad, Dalet, right? Or, oh, I'm sorry, Mem. I'm sorry. Duh. So that's uh, reading right to left. That's Elohim. If So on the top left, there's the numbers. 40, 10, 5, 31 equals 86. Going to the right, what do you have? We're breaking those numbers down using what would be called Kabbalistic reduction. Right? You're just adding. So 4 plus 0 is 4. 1 plus 0 is 1. 5 remains 5. 3 plus 0 is 3. 1. So when you go to the left-hand corner there, it's 4, 1, 5, 3, 1. Well, what is that? It's an anagram for 31415. It's the first five digits of pi. Not only that, it's even separated phonetically. El-ohim. Elohim. 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 El is 3-1. Him is 514. So in other words, 31415. Pi. First five digits of pi. How about this one? This is Adane. So once again, here's your seven names. So we just did Elohim and um, Elohim and Shaddai. Let's do Adane. Adane is 65. So there's Adane in the bottom there. It equals 65. Well, what's the 65th prime? It's 313. Well, if it's a prime, that means its divisors are 313 and 1. And it'll even say, it even says, what's the sum of the divisors? It's 314. What's the next integer? It's 314. 313, using the rule of Kolel, which is what we talk about all the time, is what? 314. Three of the Hebrew names of God that I just gave you have direct references to one specific number. Pi. Here's L. And this will be interesting because... So L, there's L. It means might, strength, power, equals 31. Um, 
our base 10 system is 987654321. That's our base 10 system. As you guys know, once again, if you've been following along in the Gnostic Church, that's your base 10 system. It's with those 10 digits you can create any other, any other number in creation. Well, and we'll show, well, I'll show you this again too. This, this will come up again. 9.87654321 times pi is 31. So in other words, 31, this number of L divided by pi, this number that we're focusing on, gives you 9.87654321, if you will. Okay? And we'll, we'll, uh, I'll show you this. What is the mirror of this? 13. It's 31. This is Lord in English, by the way. Okay? This is Lord in English. Oh, th th this this is interesting too. Just do this. This sounds this sounds kind of funny or whatever. But do, what's three plus one? In thirty one, if you're going to kabbalistically reduce this, what is it? Three plus one is four. Three three plus one is four. Three three plus one is four. Three one three one four. Wait, what? Is it literally that simple? Yes. Here's Lord, which is the 13. Lord equals 13 in English gematrius, the mirror of 31. Look at 13. The properties of, properties of the number 13, it's a prime number, which means its divisors are 1 and 13. It sums to 14. So 13 gives you 13 and 14. What are those? 3141. Properties of the number 41. Well, actually, the 13th prime. Excuse me. What's the 13th prime number? It's 41. What is that? 3141. Naturally. Okay. So all, all these, and by the way, when you add L to Shaddai, okay, I just want to show this. L, so there's the name of God, there's L and there's Shaddai, and then there's El Shaddai. They're combined. Well, 31 plus 314 making El Shaddai, 31 plus 314 would be 345. El Shaddai would be three, four, five. You know what that is? It's the numbers related to the Pythagorean triangle. The Pythagorean theorem, not theory. Okay. There's another name of God, the Tetragrammaton. This is this is literally called, you know, I think this is Hashem, right? Yahweh. The Tetragrammaton equals 26. How do we get pi from the number 26? Very simply, actually. First off, this number 26, which is considered, Yahweh is considered like the name of God, right? It's like the holy, holy name of God, the, the name, if you will, right? Um, Lord God in English, Gematria equals 26. That's a representation of what? Once again, this is all review. The monad. Down below, there's the total pieces of the cube. Eight points, six faces, 12 lines. On the very bottom there, everybody see that? So in other words, Yahweh equals 26, Lord God equals 26. There's 26 letters of our English alphabet and there's 26 pieces of the cube. Why is this important? Because there's two main measurements of the cube. One of them is, gives you the Pythagorean theorem, by the way. One, one, square root of two there. That's more than we're going to cover today, but... There's two main measurements that you can get from the cube. There's literally only two. It's the two ways you can go across. And they give you two measurements. Square root of two, square root of three. Do you know what the square root of two plus the square root of three is? It's 3.146. It's pi. So this tetragrammaton, which equals 26, relates to the cube, the 26 pieces of the cube, and what do we find naturally within the cube? 
a common approximation of pi. And we know the city of God is a cube. That's what it says in Revelation 21, 16. The city lieth four square. It's a square. And then that square had a length as large as the breadth. And the height and the length and the breadth of it are equal. That's specifically a cube. What's in that cube? Verifiably able to be found by literally anyone. Pi, the name of God. By the way, the Tetragrammaton, which equals 26, represents you. And we'll get into this. We'll get into this moving forward here. It represents you. And the mystery of the earthly and the mortal man is after the mystery of the supernal and immortal one. Amen. And thus he was created in the image of God upon earth. In the form of the body is the tetragram found. The head the, uh, is as the yod. The arms and the shoulders are like the, the he. The body is the V, the Vav, and the legs are represented by the final H. Therefore, as the outward form of the man corresponds to the tetragrammaton, so does the animating soul correspond to the ten supernal sephiroth. Sephiroth, sorry. Do you know what the ten supernal sephiroth are? The ten are what? It's the ten emanations of God. Nine eight seven six five four three two one zero. That's those ten numbers are the, what you create every other number with. And what do you find? We'll find this moving forward too. I'll show you. I'll show you again all these ways in which God has hidden pi in these things. Here's Lord Jesus Christ in the original Greek. Let's do this one. Once again, all of these places we found pi, we should find it in Christ. We already found it in Lord. Here's Lord Jesus Christ. 80888-1480. We reduce these down. Kyrios comes 800 becomes 8. Iesus, 888 is 24. Christos is 1480. That becomes 13. 1 plus 4 plus 8 plus 0 is 13. 8 plus 8 plus 8 is 24. And 8 plus 0 plus 0 is 8. Okay, see those 8, 24, 13? Read it backward. The Greek name of Christ provides us with the same variation of pi that we find in the word 7, being 22 divided by 7, being 3.14285571. The name Kyrios Jesus Christos, when reduced down using Greek isosophy, which is basically just gematria, um, becomes 824.13. We read these digits backwards, and what do you have? Pi. You know what else is encoded? E in this. I'm not going to get into that today, but pi, 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 pi. Marty, why are you so obsessed with pi? I'm not. I'm obsessed with God. <laughs> I'm just honest with it. This is all there to find. And what does it do? What does all of this do, guys? It shows that there is a science behind spirituality. And this, I and, and this is why I mean, um, I'm not going to go on. I'll just say this. Science equals 28 in English gematria. What is 28? It's the phalanges of the hands. Two on the thumb, three on each finger. 28 total, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, you add it together and you get 28. There is a science behind your spirituality. There should be. Did you think that God was just going to leave it up for like, oh, they'll just, you know, just some theories here and some humdrum notions over here? No. In order to find all of this stuff, though, what does it require of you? It requires 
to be just as this says we're um right we are made we are created in the image of god found on earth right well god is the creator and so in order to find this stuff it requires the use of our creative faculties the creator look, look at the words creator creation and creativity so just by the words it's 1008 just by the words of, the, of the, how we define our creator, it's telling us that in order to understand our creator and creation, we're going to have to use our creativity. That's exactly what is encoded in all of this this, this mysticism and in the, in these religious doctrines. It require in order for you, for instance, in order for you to figure out why sixty five would be related to pi, you're going to have to know some math. You're going to have to know you know you know uh, the language, and you're going to have to you know, all that sort of stuff. It's going to take some creativity, though. It's there. And it's verifiable, but it's going to take some creativity. In order to find pi encoded in the name of Elohim, what do most people say this is? This is just number mumbo jumbo. You're just playing with numbers? No, I'm not. No, the name of Elohim is spelled specifically. There's a specific cipher for the Elohim. And Elohim, according to name of God, if you will, according to, I don't know, cultures around the world as we're showing, they all pointed to pi. So for anybody that comes along, is like, oh, this is just, you're just making this stuff up. It's just force-fitting math. The furthest thing from it, what I'm using is my creative faculties, which is, it's a necessity in your spiritual life. I would say being creative is uh, directly, um, has a direct relationship to your spiritual growth, your creativity. The creator requires the use of your imagination and creativity in order to understand the creation, Period. Okay. Um, so in other words, we're in other words to find pi in all these interesting places, it's going to require our creativity. Let's find some more places that we can find pi just naturally. The God has placed these numbers this this just naturally. Okay. I've shown this before. I'm just going to go over this really quick. Okay. You can pause the video and and double check all the math and do this yourself, but. If you walk up to the numbers 11, 12, 13, and onto 14 and square them, they will mirror each other up to 14. So you can see there. So this is just walk, climb young lamb up the number ladder, seek your answers and question what you find, Claudia Vavona said, right? 0, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. That's our base 10 system. 10 is a base 10, you know, base 10. 11, 12, 13. You square each of these numbers, 121, 144. 169, what do you get? 121, 441, 961. They're perfect mirrors when you square them, except when you get to 14. Well, the funny thing is, is 13, 14, and 15 is where pi, the first five digits of pi, which is found in Elohim, is, in, is encoded in our number line, naturally. So this is why when people send me things like, did you hear Jane 108 found a, the real measurement of pi? That's idiotic. It's, it's, I'll just hear to say that. I'm not, no offense to that guy. I'm sure he's a nice guy, anything like that. But that's retarded. So, uh, pi is naturally found in our number line 13, 14, 15. The place where the decimal place is, is between the 13 and 14. That's the place where the mirroring stops. Once again, that's just, it just takes some creativity to find that. God is requiring that. He used his creativity to create creation. It says it in his name. 42, 13 plus 14 plus 15, the very place where you find pi in the number line equals 42, 13 plus 14 plus 15. I know it's a review, but that's all right. We can review. 
what is this? Well, I don't know. It's the, the, it's the angle of the rainbow. How many colors of the rainbow? Seven. 42 word, uh, letter name of God. The genealogy of Jesus Christ, in which we just found pi in his name in the Greek. Where are all the Christians? Why are they not passing this around? <laughs> Why aren't they sharing such, such insights? <laughs> the genealogy of Jesus Christ. 42 generations. They're separated into three 14s. Three, 13 plus 14 plus 15 is 42, separated into three 14s. You couldn't make it up. It's all right there. What does it point to? Pi! 42. Uh, this one's going to be good, too. The 42 generations to Mott. I'll show you. I'll show you this in just a second. I'm going to show you the Egyptian sunrise of creation. You guys are going to. You guys are going to poop. <laughs> holy Bible, in English gematria. What's between holy and Bible? 13, 14, and 15. Pi, literally the between holy and Bible. You get all of these creative ways in which pi is found in our world, and showing that our language has been encoded. You can't flip a light switch on without the power of God. Correct? Oh, that's right. That's correct. On and off. On equals 13. Off equals 14. You can't even... We would have said, oh, let's see. Pay means mouth in Hebrew, and that means the light, and the light is a representation of God, and God is pi. And then you go to flip a light switch on from the darkness. What are you doing? It's a representation of the beginning of creation. Think about it. The light is off. That's the darkness and void and emptiness. And all of a sudden, you flip the light switch on. And what is it? There's an on and off, which is a primordial scission. And what did you just do? You just let the light in. What is it? It's pi. You see? You see? You can't, flip, you can't, you can't light up a room without God. Facts. Here's the occultation of the candle. Put, light a candle. What is the candle? Remove the vowels. 3142. Vowels and consonants, a representation of the, you know, uh, the duality becoming one of creation, if you will. Wax, the wax of the candle. What is it? You got 413, you got 314. Wax is 413. Just read it backward. 314. So wh whether you're turning on a light switch or you're lighting a candle, you cannot do any of it without Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to turn the power button on my on my TV, on my VCR. Remember when, remember when there was VCR? VCRs? So the power button symbol directly refers to, you could say pi or tau. You could say that's a, you know, that's pretty clear that it looks like a, a radius, right? But either way, you can't, you know, that's monadic. It's a line entering a circle, you know? By the way, tau is encoded in our, in our language as well. I'm not going to cover that today because it's just too much to cover. But tau is on the T of our alphabet. So either way, this symbol is pointing to the beginning of the creation and Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, remember, was it last week? I think it was when I was talking about how he was like, hey, this, all of these things, you could see Christ in them. And then we looked at the medical symbol like, ah, most people think that that's a symbol for medicine. It's like, well, it's a symbol for Christ. Look at this right here. Do you know what that is? That's a symbol for Christ too. Most people just see it as a power button. Well, I'm trying to give you the things that you can study yourself to, to allow your consciousness to see otherwise. You you know, here's chess. I will decode chess too. That's a, that's a sermon that's coming up too. I'll, de, I'll do a whole deconstruction of chess, which I haven't done for many, many years. But um, Pawn, the most prevalent piece in the game. P-A-W-N. 3141. 
Uh, once I'm going to go over this next one real quick. Billiards. Billiards. The solids. The stripes. Wait, a stripe is a diameter and a solid is a circle, if you will, right? <laughs> if you're going to extract the two-dimensionality out of the three-dimensionality of the solids and stripes creatively, what would you find? The geometry of pi? Pi in English gematria is pi, which is eight. Well, the eight ball is the center ball in the triangle of solids and stripes. So you take the eight ball out and do you know what you're left with? 314. All of these creative ways that God is saying, hey, just use your creativity and I'll, I'll show you my word. I'll show you the mathematical representation of my word. <clears throat> 10 emanations of God. Once again, we just did 9.87654321, uh, right? And then times pi, and then it ended up in God, <laughs> right? L, 9.87654321 times pi equals 31, which is the gematria value of L, God. This is 9.87654321 square rooted. And you know what it equals? 3.146. So you take 9.87654321, you times it by pi, and you get a representation of God, which is a representation of pi. And then you take 9.87654321, and you square root it, and then you find God again. You find pi again. It's all there. It's just there for you to find. Um, how about your hand? We do enough with the hands, of course. We got 13, 13 bones in the <laughs> 13 bones in the palm and 14 phalanges on the hands. 3141? 1314 again? Pointing to that place in the number line, 1314, where pi is established anyway? And then what do you have? 13 bones in your hand that you can't see, 14 that you can. 3141. Even the even just your phalanges leads you to the place in, in the number line. Like if you, you know, just your, in this instance, if you started counting with your finger or whatever, it'd end up on your thumb. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. Multiple ways. If just by looking down at the kingdom of heaven being in a hand, what did they mean? What did they mean? Um, You know what? I'm not going to cover that. That's enough. That's enough there. Um, this 13 and 14, 13 times 14, by the way, this is what, this, so 13 bones in the palm, 14 phalanges on the fingers. 13 times 14 is 182. The 42nd prime, 42, we just covered 42, 13, 14, 15. The 42nd prime is 181, which means its divisors are 181 and one, which means it's 182. 13 times 14 equals 182. The 42nd prime is 181, which its divisors add to 182. Do you see what's going on here? Isis, by the way, this is the Isis and Osiris myth. This is the Isis and Osiris myth. This is what they were trying to tell you. The Isis and Osiris myth generally goes like this. Set, the archrival of Osiris, cut Osiris, cast Osiris into the Nile River in a sarcophagus only to later find him and cut him into 14 sections. Isis, Osiris's counterpart, went to retrieve the missing pieces, but only recovered 13 out of the 14 pieces. I wonder what this ancient, ancient Egyptian riddle is referring to. 
Well, as far as we could tell, that entire civilization was focused on God. And what did they have way back then? Christ is, Christ is in all. They understood Christ back then. The missing piece, out of the 13 to the 14, the missing piece was said to be, have been eaten by a fish. You mean like the Vesca Pisces? We're not going to get into that. Do you see what I'm saying? You see what I mean that this stuff is everywhere and it just takes the eyes to see it? That is called an elevation of conscious. That is consciousness. That is called an actual spiritual awakening and a spiritual revelation. If you have a spiritual awakening and revelation and you can't bring anything back from it, any knowledge, any wisdom that helps other people, helps your life, helps us understand God anymore, that sort of thing, chances are it wasn't a legitimate spiritual revelation. It was a spiritual revelation that you got from Eckhart Tolle or whatever. Okay? Most, and I'm doing, like I said, I'm doing a live stream called, or a, a, a sermon called Frauds, Grifters, de Deceivers, and the Deceived. And I'm specifically going to address most of the New Age or, or even, even religious people that are allegedly spiritual that are just filling your head with goddamn nonsense. Full of it. Okay? This is the Base 10 system, 97654321. Let's find pie in this one more time, shall we? What is 9.8, when you add it up? 9 plus 8 plus 7 plus 6 plus 5 plus 4 plus 3 plus 2 plus 1 plus 0 equals 45. 45 times 3.14 is 141.3. Once again, all of these creative, fun, even fun ways that God has placed pi all around your world, everywhere around your world. And this is why we started this thing by saying like pie is like a ghost. It's like spirit. It's everywhere. You just can't see it. You need the eyes to see it. Okay. I want to show you guys. I want to try to help you, you know, obtain the eyes to see this sort of thing. Okay. So 0, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9 equals 45. 45 times 3.14 is 141.3. It's a mirror of pie. Okay. If you like and you enjoy the fine work that we do here at the Gnostic Church and Academy of Lord Jesus Christ, you can become a member at Subscribestar. You can support the work that we do. Venmo, buy me a coffee, cash app. And we do snail mail as well. Um, make checks payable to Kevin McNally, 7781, County Road, 3440 Mountain View, Missouri, 65548. And starting next month, that will be Gnostic Academy because we are incorporating our church. We're doing lots of things in the next couple weeks. Lots of things going on, people. So anyway, if you would like to support the work that we do, we really appreciate it. We're going to take a little music break here. <laughs> Thank you all so very much for your support, for showing up. Um, 
everything. We can't do this without you guys, and we really love what we do. So thank you all so much. Okay, moving forward, we're going to be doing a little less math. I knew, like I said, it was going to be very mathy, very comprehensive today, but it was necessary to do. So, okay, let's talk about now we saw pi in our hands and a number line and ancient gods and in Gematria and all the, in Greek and Hebrew and English and et cetera, et cetera, and seven and all this other places that we find pi. Then we actually looked at the philosophy behind pi, the, the natural philosophy, natural spiritual messages behind pi. Now let's, let's, um, let's, uh, you know, put on our pie goggles and let's just look at our cosmos. And we're going to see with the creative mind, you're going to see that our cosmos is based on pie too. And I think this will be fun. Ancient artists have told us this. You know, when I say, hey, all of this stuff ends up being based on the monad, it's, it's a central figure in order, to, you know, just like the Zodiac Man or, you know, all that sort of stuff. It's, these things are absolutely necessary to understand, to understand the deeper meanings and context of the Bible. There's just no, there's just no getting around it, okay? Well, when I say that, it's not done out of like arrogance or self-righteousness or self-importance. It's because I study my ass off, man. I dedicated myself entirely to this stuff. And the thing that I will say that, and I just had this conversation with our friend Bonnie the other day about this. It's like, you know, she's like, your teachings are just really, you know, really great, next level and all this other stuff. And I said, well, thank you very much. And she said, well, how do you do that? You know, it's like, well, the only thing I can say is the difference between what I do and what most people do is most people come to things and they, they try to theorize over it. They try to, you know, they try to figure out in their head what they think this stuff means. And I didn't do that. For years and years and years, I said, I don't care what my opinions are. I don't care what I think about things. Who cares what stupid my name isn't even Marty Leeds, for Christ's sake, right? Who cares what that guy thinks? What's the truth? And I'm going to do everything in my power to f f go to something that's rational and reasonable and, and that sort of thing. That pursuit, number one, led me to math and pie and all that other stuff. But one of the things that it did was like, look, the monad is central to this thing. Okay? Now just go to these ancient artists. Look what they're doing. Look what they're doing. What is God creating there? He's got a compasses. He's creating a monad. And this is what I mean. All these people that are truthers that are passing around memes about like, oh, look, it's this guy. It's just, you know, they've got a compass here. And it's like, what I, you know. And so therefore, they're, it's just like, stop, man. It's just childish. It's absolutely childish. No, this is God circumscribing the world using a compass. This is the monad. This is what we're basing this whole thing on. This is John D's number one theorem. The monad, it's the God above, the Lord within. That point, that singularity, that as we talked about, the wholeness of God. And there's a singular point within. That singular point is the singular point of consciousness within you. That's the Lord. Everything above, around you is God. And you can, you know, you could look at this inverted too. You could say that we're the, the circle on the outside and we're trying to reach up towards the center of the heavens above. It's, you know, this is, it's metaphoric in that sort of sense. But what does the monad represent? It represents, you know, once again, this is just steeped in mysticism, the supreme being, totality, wholeness, divinity, the sun. Okay. This is now, once again, we can't go outside of our earth. And, and because in physical bodies and actually look at what it looks like. So, you know, this is, you know, once again, this would be more metaphoric. But just so you know, this is essentially how the earth was drawn by cultures around the world. Like there was literally called it, whether it's a sphere or not, I don't know, a celestial sphere of the heavens. It could be a couple plates that are rotating above and below us and we just see it as spheres. We don't know. We can't know that. We can't know it. But what did they all, nearly all of them, when we look at like the flat earth cosmologies, what did they all uh, draw the earth as? 
as far as I could tell, a two-dimensional representation of pi. There's a flat plane in the center, and there's a dome above, and at least could be a dome below. Okay? So there's that. But let's, and so once again, there's the celestial sphere. When you look at a two-dimensional representation of the monad, you see that point in the center. If you took that out to, from 2D to 3D, is that point just a point or is it a line that goes through? Because if you do, then what do you have? Well, in this sense, the monad would be, you get what I'm saying? The monad would be a representation of pi, in two-dimensional representation of a 3D pi, if you will. See what I'm saying? What does this represent? It's the, it's our cosmology. And we, we know this. We know this at this point. Everything is based on this. We've gone every, almost every constant, I think almost every single, I'm pretty sure every one. Most, if not every one of those constellations, we have covered or will cover moving forward. Okay? We're not, you know, so, and what is this based on? The compasses. It's monadic. Okay? So when we see, oh, it's the, 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 the monad, and then it's like, no, like literally and shit. Okay? Now let's look at, and I was just talking to Chance Brew the Pious over there at Interverse. Let's talk about this, that now look at your cosmos. Go outside at night and look at, you know, if you get a good view of the stars and look at the Milky Way. So on the left there, there's just your, your planisphere region. And so there's the Milky Way that arches almost like a, like a line, if you will, over that through that circle, if you will, right? On the right there, that is a 360 degree view. I forget the guy's name that, that, that did this. So sorry, I should give him credit, but 360 degree view of the Milky Way. What, what do you guys see there? Once again, use your creativity. What's being implied mystically, poetically, spiritually, if you will? A circle and a line? You see that? Here's how they used to map our flat stationary Earth. With an astrolabe. What's the astrolabe based on? Well, it's monadic. There's a, there's a dot in the center. It is a circle. And then there's like, it's almost like there's, it looks like there's a line. Marty, is that a line through that? Is that a diameter through? Is the astrolabe based on the monad and pi? Yes. Yes. The answer is yes to that. Pi in the sky, even just the, the notions of day and night, even uh, when you, the equinox, just think about the equinox. If you wanted to two-dimensionally draw the equinox, let's see, the sun goes around in a circle, circles us, and then there's a line that separates day and night. Oh, shit. Uh, next thing you know, we're back at the geometry of pi once again. Even the solstices and equinoxes, what does that tell you? It's like, okay, we're going to map the sun throughout the year. We're going to draw a circle because it circles around us. And then we're, there's going to be these two points, the solstices and equinoxes. And that's going to cut a line through that circle. What? There it is again. It's like, there it is. And then there it is. And then as far as we get to... Uh, and then there's the monad in our cosmology. And then there's the celestial sphere. And then at least that's how they used to, you know, draw the earth. It's like, what's going on? What is this all based on? It's pi. How about the geometry of the of, of pi and the sun and moon? Once again, just creatively. It's like the moon moves towards pi and then moves away from pi. Moves towards pi. Third quarter and first quarter. Look at it. What is it? Tell me what that is. When the sun rises and sets on the horizon, what does the horizon do? It implies the it implies the blah. I do that every week. It implies the diameter of the circumference of the circle. 
correct? All of these ways, these subtle ways, where Pi is everywhere, God's intelligence, his design, his logos, his order is everywhere and is trying to get us stupid humans to see it. And that's our goal, is to see God manifest in all things. That's the Gnostic perspective is. Do you think you're going to learn that at a Catholic church? Do you think you're going to go down and, and hang out with the Methodists or the Baptists and they're going to teach you anything about this? No, you start talking astrology, they're going to be like, he's a devil worshiper. No, I worship God. I just want to understand his creation. And even the eye that you, you see the world through, you know, when you, when you look at it, once again, when your eye closes, it's like, oh, I've got the diameter, I close my eyes, and I open it, it's the circumference. And I close my eyes and I put the di diameter across that pupil, the pupil, it's because you're a student, a student of God that lights the light, that lets the light in. The light, which is Christ, into your eye. And you're the pupil because you're the student. We're all the students. I've just been a student so long that I figured out how to teach. That's it. I'm still a student. So when we talk about cosmology, I just want to show you this one. Now, the Mayans, I did a whole deconstruction of this, but I just want to show you this. The Mayans based their Mayan calendar, and no, they didn't actually believe the earth was going to, the world was going to end or anything like that. The Mayans, the central piece of their calendar is absolutely, without question, focused and centered around Pi. The Solkin calendar, which is this, the reason I'm talking about this right now, calendrical, horological stuff, is because it's cosmological. It's how do you map and actually track your cosmos. So the Mayan had a Solkin calendar. It was a 1320 matrix. Watch this. So one, you can see right there, one, you know, um, one of the wheels turned one way and the other turned the other way, you know, opposing, if you will. And one was 13 and one was 20. Well, you, this is 13 through 20 is where you can establish pi in the number line. So look down below there. 13, 14, 15. That's the first three digits of pi. The Mayans knew what they were doing. The Mayans understood Christ. 13, 14, 15 is the first three digits of pi. 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. Hold on, I got to sneeze. Oh, sorry. 13 through 20, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. You add it together, it's 132. 13 through 20, break those numbers down. 1 plus 3 is 4, 1 plus 4 is 5, 1 plus 5 is 6, 1 plus 6 is 7, 1 plus 7 is 8, 1 plus 8 is 9, 1 plus 9 is 10, and 1 plus 1 is 0, 2 plus 0 is 2. What does that equal? 42. 13 through 20, 132. You break them down, it's 42. 132 divided by 42 is 3.142. It's a common, it's a common widely... <laughs> It's an approximation of pi. How about that? <laughs> the Mayans built their entire calendrical system off the name of God, full stop. Period. See, what, see what's happening here, guys. Do you see what I'm trying to show you? Do you see why this church is important? Do you see why what we're teaching is important? Do you see why we've been in the, in the dark for far too long? And you see why I, I hammer on the point that it's enough with the conjectures and the theories and the theory, you know, your ideas and, oh, I've listened to this person on Rockfin. Is this person telling you anything about how to understand your world, how to actually see it differently and see it for how God wants you to see it? This is what we're dedicated to here.
speaking of the, the story of creation and things like that, this is the Egyptian sunrise of creation. Look at it, guys. You tell me, what do you see there? What do you see in there? Do you see... It's almost like those two circles were separated. They were one, but they're connected. And then there's a circle around and there's like a... It's like those two circles in the center create a line. It's, it's almost like they're alluding to the geometry of pi here. And then they've got the two hands on the one side and the two hands on the other side. And they're pouring out the waters of creation. And there's the sun from the, the, the mound. It's like they're pointing to pi. See what's going on? The reason I'm teaching you guys this stuff is that this is an important point. Okay? And I'm going to say this. This might sound a little like arrogant or cocky or something like that. That this, what we're teaching here is a key. A huge key. To help you understand all of these different cosmic, you know, all of these different religions and mythologies and cultures and things like that. When you go, if any, if any of these are advanced and they knew what they were talking about, we're not talking about Scientology here, okay? Any of these cultures that actually knew what they were talking about in advance, like the Norse stuff, the Norse stuff, you will find this stuff all day long, all day long. And this is a huge key to help us understand these different cultures. To help us understand what was, you know, what was at the, the core of these mythologies. What the great mysteries and riddles were. I can read this. This picture right here. I don't know, I can't read all of it. But I, can, I know what they're saying. I just want to read this. Because when we talk about getting to this, this monadic, this, you know, this... This idea of our cosmology, right? When we look at this and we get to that high point and it's the place where, you know, the, the devil brought Jesus up and you see all the places of the world and he told the devil off and then now we're all we're trying to get up to the pole star and, you know, one with God and all this other stuff, high in the mountain, high in the mountain. And so that we could, this is, this is what Black Elk was saying. He's a Sioux, I think he was a Sioux native. He said this, then I was standing on the highest mountain of them all and round about beneath me was the whole hoop of the world. And while I stood there, I saw more than I can tell. And I understood more than I, can, than I saw. Amen. Isn't that where you want to be? I saw more than I can tell. And I understood more than I saw. For I was seeing in a sacred manner the shapes of all things in the spirit. Like pie? And the shape of all shapes as they must live together like one being. And I saw that it was holy. Black elk. Amen. The divine objective. This is, okay, let's move on. Number seven. Now that we, we saw the cosmological aspect, pie is everywhere, right? Um, let's just talk about this one. The divine objective. We've talked about this enough. The riddle is to find the middle. This is a simple one. Quick and easy. What does that tell you about? What does pie naturally tell you about? Balance. Is the left heavier than the right? No, it's perfectly balanced. It's whole. It's a wholeness too. So in other words, the left, the 180 on the left and the 180 on the right are perfectly balanced and there's a wholeness to it. And that wholeness represents what? This, the, your, your spiritual advancement, the, which we, of course we talked about all day long, which is and Jesus came and made them whole. And how do we do that? We do that through balance. We do that through, quote unquote, the middle way. The middle win, right? So there it is. Simple and easy. What does that inherent geometry tell you to do in this world? There's a divine objective, and that's to seek balance in this world. That's what Pi's telling you, right there. Boom. It's just numbers. It's just geometry. 
Marty, you're reading too much into this. I don't think so. Number eight, infinitude and transcendence. Once again, this will be a really quick one. Pi is known as an infinite and transcendental number, okay? What does transcendence mean? We know what transcendence means. It means to transcend, to go you know, above and beyond the normal range of capacity, if you will, right? It's the, you know, you would transcend a state. Well, pi even tells you by its, by its categorization in mathematics that it's transcendent. It's an, in, it's an endless continued fraction, excuse me, pi and e, pardon me, it's, a, it's an endless limit of an infinite number of digits. It just goes on and 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 on. It just keeps going and going and going and going and going, right? It just never stops, like David Lee Roth. Unfortunately, well, let's hope David Lee Roth stops one, day, one of these days because God, he's just destroying the, the career of Van Halen. Anyway, the numbers of pi just keep going and going and going and going and going. There's in its natural, once again, qualities, there's an infinitude and a transcendence about it, right? This is in, when we talk about transcendence, what do we mean? Well, it's all of the terms, literally the terms that are synonymous with Christ. We have literally defined logos as what? Eternal and transcendent. Now, we can't say infinity is necessarily eternal, okay? But they're you know, two peas in a little gay pod, if you will. Okay. That's, that's all I'm saying. Right. Um, transcendent. What do we mean? Superior, supreme, consummate, predominant, preeminent, ascendant, paramount, superlative, unique, unsurpassed, incomparable, unrivaled, unequaled, unparalleled, matchless, peerless, supernatural, pre preternatural, transcendental, otherworldly, superhuman, mystical, mystic, spiritual, divine, heavenly, exalted, sublime, ethereal. All of those things. What, what does pi represent? All of those things. It's, it is a superior, literally by definition, in, this, in the study of mathematics, it is a superior number. It holds a special place. There's a mystery behind it. Just like, just like prime numbers, there's a mystery behind that, natural mystery behind that. That's true. It's unique. It's, the, it's one of these numbers that it, it just gives you this endless string of digits and we don't know why. It's unsurpassed. There's nothing else like it. It's incomparable. There's nothing else like it. Okay. There's a mystical quality to it. It's supernatural by the fact that it's mathematical. So all of these things, when we talk about pi being having this infinite and transcendental nature, it you can relate all of those things directly to God, directly to the divine me, to the divine meaning of logos. Period. Pi is unknowable too, right? In this sense, it's an unknowable number. Just like just like you know when uh, it's like when. See, Black Elk here says, it's like, hey, you know, it's like I stood there and I can tell and then I can tell and I understood more than I saw. Like, it's like uh, I was seeing, uh, what did he say? Well, I stood there. I, uh, I I saw more than I could tell, I should say. I saw like in this sense, there's just this aspect of it's like words fail. I guess my words are failing right now because words fail. And this is exactly what we, we've been saying. Like there's a point when you get up and out of the the creation and in, in polaris right and you're up and unifying with god all language stops there's no number or geometry or name or symbol or anything you can even say right by pi having this transcendent quality of you always have to approximate it it's an endless string of digits it's naturally giving us this sort of idea okay this is um 
it also helps us understand when we look at pi as a transcendental and infinite number, it helps us understand that God truly transcends all of the cultures, all of the religions, all of the myths, all of people's ideas. There's something transcendent about God. And this is why we say when cultures across the world think that they have God, right? Like Christians do this all the time. And this is why we rail on them. This is why we rail on them, right? I, you know, our religion is the best one. We've got the thing. You're possessed. You're possessed because you're possessing something that you don't own. The Orthodox do this all the time. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. We've got the thing. You have to come to our church. Good luck. Good luck in your afterlife. Transcendence tells us that nobody has owns it. Nobody's got it. It's just there. It's just in the thing. And it's, it's beyond language. It's beyond religion. It's beyond, you know, cultures, that sort of thing. This is, we can do this with the, you know, seven, the number seven. Well, seven is set and septum and sept and seven and seven and shu and siete or whatever, right? Well, no, it's actually just seven. Is seven any of those things, those words, you know, specifically or particularly? No, no, not at all. Seven is just this transcendent thing that exists. This is what we mean. This is what pi establishes. Hence why I focus on pi so much. Number one, or number nine, another really simple one, an inherent message of unity. This gets right back to just looking at the, 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 you know, the pi itself, right? Let's just go back to this. This really gets into the coincidentia positorum or the, the unity of opposites. You know, what do you see there, right? Unity. There's a separation, but they're brought together in one. The left and the right, once again, same sort of thing, but they're brought together in one. What is this? This is a, a cornerstone that you will find, and it's, it's in the Bible too. Um, a cornerstone you will find in, uh, well, it's alchemy. I mean, this is, this is one of the foundational spiritual doctrines of alchemy. It's the coincidentia positorum, the uni unity of opposites. And this is basically understanding that if you want to reach that state in which you can see mystically and magically, you can see that invisible pie everywhere. What you're going to need to do is merge, the unify, both hemispheres of your brain and use your brain holistically. Okay. Now, I mean, I don't know if this, you know, could we, <laughs> is your brain mimicking pie as well? Is there like a diameter and there's this like circumference? I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'm just seeing stuff now. I don't know. But what is the unity of opposites? This natural message of unity. It's bringing together the logical with the creative, the analytical with the imaginative, the sequencing with the holistic, the linear with the intuitive, the linear with the circular, if you will, the mathematical with the numerological, the linguistic with the artistic, the factual with the rhythmic, the computational with the nonverbal. Okay? This is literally what Black Elk is explaining right here. I was seeing in a sacred manner. I was using my whole brain. I was seeing the irrationality and the rationality simultaneously. I was seeing the singularity and the wholeness simultaneously. And of course, your human body, very pious, split down the middle. It's like there's a diameter. And then, you know, you can look at this as like your aura or your, you know, your whatever. You know, a lot of people will show this as like a toroid, toroidal field, that sort of thing. But circular. Even the toroidal, yeah, toroid, why can't I not say that this morning? Even your torus field, how about that, is, has that circular nature to it. So once again, this is, you know, seeing the metaphysicality behind the physicality. This is what they, they mean, and we've talked about this numerous times when it says, uh, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Um, by, the, uh, by, by it, the elders received a good report. 
uh, rapport report, and then it said that the, the, the worlds were framed, were framed with the word of God. They were framed with the word of God. To frame something means you have to use mathematics. So in other words, if we want to understand faith, we're going to need evidence and you're going to need some mathematics. This idea of merging these sort of aspects of yourself, your left and your right, your positive, your negative, your man and your woman within you, that sort of thing. This is this inherent message of unity that you find in Pi. And this is something that once again is found all across the world. Uh, this is what Richard Cassaro, um, he calls the God self icon. And it's basically like man is the diameter strung between the two hemispheres, bringing them together to find wholeness. And that's your spiritual quest. You find it in Peru and Afghanistan and Egypt, Colombia, Italy, Lebanon, China, India, Nigeria, Spain, Iraq, Greece. Once again, why do Gnostics embrace all the great traditions of the world? Because every single one of these symbols right here symbolizes Christ, symbolizes the, uh, the achievement of enlightenment. Number 10, the preeminence of the circle. One of the things that Pi gives us once again, by its natural geometry, it's that sort of thing, is the preeminence of the circle. This Everything is cyclical in this world. And we'll get to this when we talk about time and eternity. Okay, Everything is cyclical in this world. And this is why you see the, on the left, there's the Hunabku, and on the right, there's the yin-yang. And of course, this is what? It's, there's a, I mean, just look at the sun, the path of the sun. It does circles. What, you know? What does the moon do? It's doing circles. What is all of the canopy of the stars doing? They're doing circles. Everything is cyclical. Okay, As we've said before, a cycle a circle or a cycle itself, that itself is living proof of design. Once again, when we say um, God, proof of God comes into mathematical proofs, literally. If something is cycling, that means that cycle had to be set up by something, by an intelligent force, by an intelligent being. And what does this cycle? Everything. The seasons, the sun, that sort of stuff, right? Of course, once again, that circle tells us about what? How the entire, I mean, of course, we already discussed this, how the entire cosmology works. It's monadic. And then, and people wonder, it's like, why is it important? We'll talk about this when we talk about grifters, deceivers, frauds, and the deceived or whatever. We'll talk about this when we talk about Graham Hancock. Oh, Graham. What happened, Graham? Oh, Graham, boy. What the hell happened? You ego frickin' maniac. A A Graham Hancock is basically said, what does it matter? He's done the old, the old, uh, what does it matter if the earth is flat? Why does it matter? It, it, <laughs> well, I think you're seeing now why it matters. Do you want to see God or not? Everything is a cycle. That circle tells us about the cycle. Let's listen to Black Elk again. The power of the world works in circles and everything tries to be round. This, this, Savage Native American, right? He had this great epiphany. He was up on uh, Harney Peak up in South Dakota. I've been there myself, actually. And, you know, had this great epiphany. And all these epiphanies were like, I could see more than I could say. And, you know, all the, I was seeing more than I'm actually seeing. And I'm seeing in a sacred manner. And, and I'm on top of the mountain. And everything is round. You know, this is stuff, by the way, that when we talk about getting to that childlike state, this is kind of the fun stuff that children recognize. The moon is round and the sun is round and everything goes round. Yeah, that's because God's trying to talk to you. And then you release yourself from that and then you go into the indoctrination camps called the education system for how many years? And then you actually go to pay for more education only to get miseducation, miseducated. And then you have to spend all that time unlearning all that bullshit, endless, endless piles of bullshit so you could just get back to the state 
of you as a kid being like, the sun is round and the moon is round. <laughs> Everything they do to try to keep us from understanding God. It's amazing. The other thing that pi does, what is it? The preeminence of the number three. What is the first thing in pi? This is one of the things that got me when I first started studying this. Why three? It's three point... <clears throat> One four one five nine two six five three nine seven blah blah right. It's got all. It's just, but why three? It's uh, this was something that stuck me, and I don't know what it was. It, I mean, obviously it was God that was telling me, "Hey, hey, dude, keep keep going." But the three is obviously important. This is why, once again, the the, the Trinitarian argument that there's even an argument anymore is just unbelievable. But it tells you about the importance of the number three naturally, naturally. Past, present, and future. That's your holy Trinity. It's three becoming one. Right? Past, present, and future. This is the Om. The Om is literally tells you the Brahman was it's the creator, preserver, destroyer. We'll get into that in just a second. The number three, we find this, of course, this is Trinitarian, it's a triangle all around the world. Three, 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 right? Across the this is um, you know, Christian doctrine, of course. We find this once again. Why as Gnostics we embrace all the great traditions of the world? Why? Because all these traditions understood Christ. They didn't call him Christ. They maybe even called him Horus or Orphis, Orphic or whatever, you know, whatever. But did they understand the transcendent power of God's three? Absolutely. Absolutely. They, they understood it so well that they canonized it in their mythology and religions. Hindu, Egyptian, Orphic Trinity, the Christian, the Norse, the Sicilian, the Celtic, the French. We could just go on and on and on. I've got like three other slides of Trinities, right? So the Trinity becomes this most important thing. What the, the Holy Three, once again, looking at our cosmology, as the sun rises and gets to a point up above your, your head, your zenith point, and then converges down to the divergent point on the horizon, what does that naturally create in your eye line? A Trinity, a holy triangle, the number three. What tells you about that? This is the first digit of pi. Math of the hands. Once again, I'm going to go over this quick because this is a review. We already saw how the hands refers to pi. Number one, adding one through seven is twenty-eight. There's twenty-eight phalanges on your on your on your hands. Seven encodes pi. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven equals twenty-eight. You have twenty-eight phalanges on your hands, and seven encodes pi. You multiply through seven; it's five thousand forty. You divide those two; it's one hundred eighty. I'll just leave this on the screen once again. I know this is a review, but because we're being comprehensive and Henry David Thoreau, we want to make sure that we get all this. So. Adding one through seven, twenty-eight, multiplying all on your hands, and the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What God put right in front of you to prove Him, to prove Him. Five thousand forty divided by twenty-eight is the triangle. It's the holy number three. Boom! Right on your hands, right on your hands. Okay. Um, well, once again, I'm just going to show this real quick too. Uh, we covered this in the geometry of good thinking. Um, 180 all the way up. A trinity. The number, in other words, the number three all the way up the number line. You start with that triangle. You add a triangle. You get 360, which is the degrees of the square. You add another triangle, 180, you get the degrees of the, the pentagon. You add another 180, you get the degrees of the hexagon. You add another 180, you get the degree, etc. It's trinities. It's trinity. Three, 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 three. Um, once again, the triangle, I'm, I'm just going to 
I want to show this other one here too. The triangle is the spiritual axiom of balance, perfected in form too. Once again, that three, not only does the geometry of pi tell us about our inherent divine objective to be balanced in this world, the triangle does the same thing. And then you wonder why they taught you math for shit in school. You wonder, is it starting to become clear now? There's the Holy Ghost. Look at it. See the Holy, the dove? In each of these pictures, what is it doing? Is it mimicking the geometry of Pi? The Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, is the being in which you receive enlightenment. You can even see on the bottom there, right? The wings of that bird stretch out to form the diameter of that circle. That is a light that comes right through the crown of your head, which is separated in, you know, almost like piously, right, if you will, the, 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 your brain pan. It's the, the illumination, the enlightenment, the salvation burns right through your head, through the crown, and it's the Holy Ghost is symbolized by what? The geometry of pi, guys. Look at it. Look at it. Look at the top right corner there. That's even got seven yods or little flames there to tell you about the importance of the number seven. And then the Holy Dove, that Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost is telling you what? About the Word. See it? Here's another one. You see how subtly they are doing this? And then like, there's a circle behind Jesus' head. That makes sense. There's a triangle behind God's head. That totally makes sense. <laughs> then above them, there is the dove of the Holy Ghost giving you the gift of enlightenment. And what is it mimicking? Pi. I'm going to read this quick. Francie Higgins again. God, all these Masons. The square alone is the symbol of creative wisdom. The plumb of the upright stature of the living man and the level the recumbent posture of death, closely assimilating the three stations of the original Aryan symbolism of Brahma, the creator, Vishnu, the preserver, and Shiva, the destroyer. The father, the creator, or Shiva, the, the transformer, sometimes known as destroyer, but we talked about destruction, what's, what that is all about. It's actually transformation. Father, the creator, Jesus, the preserver, and the Holy Ghost, the transformer. And that Holy Ghost is transforming you with what? The gift of pie. You see? It is significant that these three qualities, it is significant that of these three qualities, listen to this. It is significant that of these three qualities, beauty should be singled out as the eternal perishing and eternally reviving quality of the manifested universe. Amen. <laughs> it is significant that these three qualities, beauty is the thing that is constantly revivified and destroyed, perishing and eternally revivifying itself. That is, happens in the present. Who's in the present? Christ. Ah, those Masons. Adam Masons. All right, number 12, time and eternity. This is also what pi, why pi is related to God. Time and eternity. Let's read from Higgins once again. 
The tradition of a word of omnific power in which is concentrated a store of force at once dynamic and intelligent, so terrific in its intensity that he who knows and understandingly utters it may wield an absolutely divine sway over the power of the elements, is one of the oldest legends of the human race. So there's Frank C. Higgins telling you about this word of omnific power, found literally considered one of the oldest legends of the human race. It's true. Then he says this, talking about time and eternity, that we can't even comprehend time without the geometry of pi. Man is unable to comprehend eternity in any other sense than that of a circle. That's why we started with this, talking about the primordial scission and pi, God is a circle. The greatest God of all the old pantheons represented time. And he was the father of all the other gods. He carried in his hand a straight line in a circle. The first had a beginning and an end, and the second neither. This represented time and eternity. So basically what he's saying is that the, he car- this God carried in his hand a straight line and a circle, and this represented time and eternity. The first the line, uh, the, the, the first had a beginning and an end, which is in a line, and the circle has neither. This is, um, this is, I think, Sumerian, I want to say. I'm not, I, I'm not sure. What, what do you see here, guys? What do you see here? This guy on the right is, looks like a giant. Looks like, obviously a giant, okay? Because there were giants here at some point. There's a giant dude, and he's handing off the mysteries to these little people. And this big giant dude is standing in front of like a star symbol, a sun symbol or whatever, and he's handing them off a circle and a line. <laughs> I think I think Higgins was right. Let's look at this. We talk about time being circular as the circle of pi and straight as well. Let's talk about this. Is pi circular or is it, is it linear? Which one is it? Well, if we're if it's correct, it's both. We experience time linearly. Is that how you say that? There's a beginning, middle, and end to our life. There's a beginning where we are here, and then there's an end where we leave, right? So that is a very linear thing. So people say time is cyclical. Yeah, it is. Don't get me wrong. I'll talk about that in just a second. But what we experience is very linear. So what are we experiencing then? Something very linear and circular. Shit, very pious. Seems like we're very we're steeped in pie here. Okay. Look at the scroll. Look at the, how the Torah used to be written. If you you, know, you see the Bible or whatever, you see sort of a, a linear story. And sometimes anyway, right? In general, there's like a linear story that's happening in, in, the, in the chapters and things like that. And that's a scroll. And what do you do? You scroll, you roll up the scroll. And it's a Torah. Torah is, a, is a, like an anagram, if you will, for rota, which basically means to rotate, right? Um, so what you do is you have a linear story, a, a, a diameter... That's rolled up to become a cyclical one, a circular. See that? So basically, this linear story is now rolled up, and the linear, literally li- lines. You, it's a line of scripture. It's linear, is rolled up with the other lines in a circle. The Torah itself, the original Torah, how they used to write it, is a direct reference to pi. So is time cyclical or is it linear? It's both. It can't be. Yes, it can. I, I know God. So this is what I mean. This is this is proof. I'm, we're in this sense we're like living proof that what we're what I'm saying is true. So 
you know, Jennifer and I have we met eight years ago or whatever it was, and we've lived a linear life. It was we went from you know Hawaii and Eugene, and then we went from Eugene to to Wisconsin, Wisconsin, Missouri, all this other stuff. It was very linear progression. But during that time, all of these things kept coming up in the past that had like happened again, as if there were, we were living in some sort of circular time frame. I'll show you this. So Jennifer and I signed the papers for our house in Hawaii the day that her dad died on August 30th. When we left Hawaii, we ended up staying with my folks and bought a house up north in Beecher, Wisconsin, and moved in officially on August 30th. This happened, this was the other week, whatever, a couple months ago. We just sold our house the other week and left for Missouri the other day on a super blue moon on August 30th. Now, obviously, none of this was planned. It's just how it happened, right? And so then I jokingly said I chalk it up to a bunch of random, random coincidences that clearly have no grander spiritual meaning. So... <clears throat> Here we were living a very linear experience. Like I'm getting older, right? Like I'm going from like you know young to old and older, right? But what was happening the whole that time? Cyclical things. On August 30th, oh, here it is again. Something up oh, was you know what I mean? It's like oh now it's time to move. It was like we were living a, a a pattern that was rolled up, in a sense, and that was just our experience. I sent this to Chance over at Interverse. And then he, you know, that was immediately what he wrote back. He's like, time is cyclical. And I was like, yes, but it's also linear. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? So that's what Pi gives us. And it's pretty magical. All right, last one. Solves all paradoxes. Okay. And then I'm going to share with you guys a little epiphany I had on Pi and, and what ended up happening with it. And I wrote this in a book. Um, get in a second. This, I'm just going to basically end the, the, the 13 here. This uh, Solves all paradoxes. That's exactly what we just did. When we looked at wholeness and singularity, we looked at irrationality and irrationality. We looked at, you know, separation and wholeness. We looked at, you know, uh, et, et cetera, et cetera. We looked at time and eternity, if you will, right? Time, linear and cyclical. Uh, those things are, they don't go together. Yes, they do. Perfectly. And the only way that it can be, the, the paradox can be solved is with what? God. Duh. Of course. Where else do you think you're going to get it? Right? And so this is why... So all of these contradictions, these paradoxes, these things that... I'm linear and circular. That doesn't make any sense. What are you saying, Marty? You're dumb. No. Then we say... And I've said this numerous times and I've had people, you know... Be, say it's like, oh, well, there's no contradictions in the Bible or people point out the contradiction in the Bible and then say the Bible's bullshit because there's contradictions in the Bible, right? So this is from the same chapter. It says, honor thy father and mother. Awesome, cool, yeah, we should totally honor our parents and yada. And then later it says, forget them. Forsaken houses and your father and mother. Wait, what? I thought I was supposed to honor them, but I'm supposed to forget them and just forsake them? What? Right? That's a huge contradiction in the Bible. Right now, most people, once again, that like you know, people that are like hate on religions and stuff like that. Like I saw Jaron Jaronism overdo this. He's like, there's contradictions in the Bible, blah blah blah. Yeah, they're there for a reason. That's what I keep pointing out. Now he's pointing out the fact that there's a bunch of Christians that say there's not contradictions in the Bible. Well, I'm just here to say the Christians don't know what they're reading. I mean, we've already we've already established that through and through, have we not? So this is what I mean. Number thirteen. What does Pi do? It solves all paradoxes. It's a geometric form in which gives us this simple circle and line to point out all of these different things and say, hey, it's okay. You are living a cyclical and linear existence. And that's totally fine. Okay? All of those things is why we talk about pi. 
Now, I want to share with you the first, and then we'll wrap this baby up. I, I said it was going to be a long one today. I want to share with you guys the first, one of the first, like, mever, one of the first, like, revelations or epiphanies or that I had on Pi. And it was that it was a creation of the universe, that Pi was a representation of the creation of the universe. So I had a flash, a revelation or whatever you want to say. Now, of course, I tried to write this down, but those things, just like Black Elk was saying, you can't really language. Like, even if you try language, your chances are you're going to fail. And that's, it's true. I, I, I will try to write in the stuff down or explain it and stuff like that. But chances are a lot of times I'll fail just because there's things you just can't say, or you are, you can't explain properly, or you don't have the, you might be in a, a position uh, intellectually or whatever, where you just didn't like I was at the time. I just didn't have the capacity or understanding yet to un fully comprehend what I was quote unquote receiving. Okay. But this was the reception. Ready? So it was one night I was, this was um, way back when I was living in Eugene before I met my, uh, before I met Jennifer, I was with my ex fiance and I was heavily involved with math and I was just totally focused on it. One night I just, boom, it was just, there was a flash. It was like this, this go, this is what I received. And this is the best way I can explain it. This comes from the book, The Alchemical Writings of Claudia Pavonis, The Peacock's Tales. The ten fingers of our two hands are a template for universal mathematics and were given to us by a great creator to help us understand the deeply symbolic, numeric, and geometric nature of our reality. The first ten numbers walking up our number line, 0, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, and 9, constitute the decimal system and represent the fundamental mathematical system at work in the universe. It is this system, above all others, that takes center stage in the construction of our cosmos. In the beginning of creation... The entirety of our material universe, or what would be the material universe, was encased inside a primordial form. It's often mythologized as a seed, an egg, or just a circle, as we did. These ten precepts or numbers were united in the beginning of time, sowing the seed of creation, shell shelling our primordial egg, and encircling the circumference of the circle of all creation, if you will. In the beginning, these ten numbers, 0, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, and, eight, and 9, existed as one, whole and unbroken. One day... With the thunderous voice of the Creator, and with the explosion of divine light, this great circle of creation cracked, and ten numbers boundlessly unfurled out, shuddering all of eternity, carving, sowing, and chiseling out our material universe. This great exaltation, as we know, is called the is, is called the word, the Aum, right? And um, it says, I said, upon this initial initial ejection, these ten principles mirrored or polarized themselves. This was the the, the image that I had. It was like 0, 1, 3, 5, 6, 79. As soon as they rejected, there was a mirroring. There's a principle, right? A man and woman, an Adam and Eve, a Shiva and Shakti kind of thing. These 10 numbers and their symmetrical opposites are the cosmological principles at work in the continuous creation, preservation, and destruction of our universe. This cosmic birth was the act of a great triunity, first manifesting itself within itself and then realizing that potential by dividing itself. And pi is the ratio and geometric symbol given to us to help us remember and understand this story. Okay? And it's basically, I say in short, the mathematical constant of pi is a representation of the creation of our universe. So this was this sort of flash that I had one night and I try, I've been basically trying to explain it ever since, right? And doing a good job sometimes and not so well other times, right? That's just kind of how it works. But, so I had this epiphany where I had, there was the numbers, there was these, I'll say it again. All of these numbers, 0, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, were encased in a circle. That circle broke. The diameter went down the, the line of that circle. And what came out was what? Well, what was formed from that was two 180-degree halves from that circle. 180 on the left, 180 on the right. And just as I said, these numbers 
unfurled out, and as they did, they mirrored or they polarized themselves. In other words, one set of numbers was for the man and another was for the woman. Okay? Now, this happened years. This revelation, this epiphany, this flash, I'm telling you, I'm just being a thousand percent honest, happened year, like a year or something, I don't even know what it was, a, a long time before I had ever unveiled the cipher for the English alphabet, before that was ever handed to me or whatever. Okay? So I got this story. It was an idea. It made sense to me. I spent all this time trying to figure it out and write it down and explain it. And it was this idea that 0, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9 doubled itself in the split. And then, and that was the creation of the universe. Then I found the septenary cipher a year or whatever it was later. I don't even know what the time frame was. And this is what I found. 0, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9 equals 180. Once again, this is some review for some people. But, and it doesn't matter if you go 1 through 10 or 0 through 9. As you can see right there, the gematria total of those 10 digits is 180. So this epiphany was like, hey, there's these 10 principles, 0, 1, 2, 3, 5, 7, 8, 9. They constitute the decimal system and they represent the fundamental mathematical system at work in the universe, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Then I had this idea. It came from Pi, all this other stuff. A year or whatever it was later, I forget how long it was. Then the cipher came and then I did the math to 0, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. And do you know what it equaled? 180. But my, my flash was that the, oh, these, 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 these 10 numbers, these 10 principles, they mirrored or they polarized themselves. So in other words, you would have to have 180 and 180. So this epiphany, this flash that, that actually ended up producing mathematics later. Guys, this is what I mean by it's time to stop with the theories and the conjectures and the worldviews. And I'm listening to this guy on Rockfin. You should probably fucking stop. Because what, what I'm showing here is that through revelation, through focus, intense focus and dedication to God, things can be revealed to you. This is what Gnosticism is. Except I'm here to tell you that that is not just a good, nice idea or thing. No, you can be handed information directly from source if you have the ear to hear the word. So this, this idea that I had about the creation of the universe ended up panning out mathematically a year and a half. I don't know how long it was. A year and a half, two years later, whatever it was. Okay. And this is what? 0, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 180 on that hands. 0, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 180 on the other hands. And what do you do? You bring those hands together in, in unity and love. And what do you have? Ladies and gentlemen, you have the geometry of pi. And if you bring those hands together and unify under God's almighty love, you will get your wings and you'll fly up to heaven because you'll be a good bard. Okay? You'll be a good bard. All right. Thank you all for... I said this was going to be a long one. Went probably 15 minutes over or so. But that's good. Thank you guys uh, for... Um, 
stopping by today and spending your time with us and absorbing the material and uh, supporting everything like that. We really appreciate it. If you would like to become a good bird, you can become a good bird at Subscribestar. You can become a Phoenix bird and a Keely bird. You can become a Cygnus bird. You can become Tap of the Pete my bird. And some someday soon here, we're going to have a freaking, we're going to have the, we're going to have St. Thomas the Pete. We're going to have a new time of the Pete. <laughs> we're going to get some chickens. So anyway, uh, if you'd like to uh, donate, uh, Venmo, buy me a coffee, cash app, PayPal, subscribe star, all that other stuff. And once again, if you'd like to support uh, Kevin McNally, 7781 County Road, 3440 Mountain View, Missouri, 65548. Once again, we are not going to have any service next Sunday. My parents are coming down. Uh, we, I, My face was all screwed up because of fiberglass on my face and all this other stuff. Anyway, so we, we basically, I basically didn't get to work this week. So uh, we have a lot of work that we need to do next week in order to get into our place and get it going before winter once again we're in the same situation so um so no service next week we're going to take a break take a day off anything that you were going to tithe any money or anything like that take your lady out take your man out enjoy yourself okay this is what we're here to do live in joy okay and so enjoy yourself so and we're so i'm just taking a little break so thank you so much thank you to uh to content save for getting us on bit shoot and rock or odyssey and rumble and all that other stuff we really appreciate you guys and uh you can get this at the flat earth sun moon and zodiac app that's right the sunday sermons are on there i do want to say thanks to michelle over at michelle's healing home and mario over there and also uh chase through the pious over at the inner force podcast Chance at Interverse Podcast. Thank you so much. I did a converse, had a conversation with both of uh, those lovely people, and um, it was really great. So go check it out. Uh, really enjoyed the conversation. Really good peeps there. Really good peeps. So and once again, we have the church store if you would like to support and books, uh, uh, music, and rosaries and Bibles and all that other stuff. Okay, that's gonna do it. Um, I think we have some donations. Yes, I'm. And small acts. Small acts, thank you so much. Uh, last week, I forgot to thank some people. Bruce Parson, Kurt Klingley, Amanda Limp, Gavin Cross, Leap CEO, Daniel Hager, Alicia Crawford. Daniel Hager and Alicia Crawford just killing it every week. God bless you guys. Uh, Allison Flynn, thank you so much. Jam Grassi, God bless you, sir. God bless you, ma'am. How dare I? The lovely Janine Grassi. Thank you so much. Ruth Scott, Jennifer McLaughlin, Jen uh, Virginia Murray, Christina Bangs, Jaden Vander... Worf, I think is how you say that. Jeremy Hines, thank you so much once again for your continued support, Jeremy. Interverse Podcast. It's a pie party. It's a pie party. It is. Andrew Masonette, every week, thank you so much. Let's keep the greatest church alive. Wish I could give more because this is the best knowledge around. It is. I'm not... I, 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 thank you so much for saying that. I'm not saying that out of arrogance or to be cocky or anything like that. It's just like, this is really next level stuff. It is. It, 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 it provides so much clarity and so many different avenues and so many different subjects and so many different things. And as you can see from, you know, these these the Bible, um, the deconstruction that we're doing in the Bible, we're making sense of that book. And it's about time. OK, so thank you to all the people that do recognize that and support uh, the work that we're doing here. Uh, where are we? So thank you, Andrew. Uh, Bernadette, Bernadette O'Brien. Thank you so much. Javier Mujica. Here's a slice of pie. 3141. Thank you so much. Jordan Henry, 10 bucks. Thank you so much. And uh, let's see. Cash app. John Vina. Truth seeker. For pie. Yes, it's all about the pie. Thank you so much. Uh, Corby Olson. Tax uh, Mickett for the sermon. I don't know what that means, but Jared Poole. Thank you so much. God bless you, Mr. Poole. Ray B. Thank you so much. Eugene Jacques. Don't know if I ever saw the 1998 movie Pie, but would love to hear your take on it if you have. Going to do that, yes. I'm, I'm going to do that at some point because people have asked about it and there's enough there. So, Leah Steele, 
I appreciate you two and your message. You not only talk the talk, but you both walk the walk. Leah Steele, thank you so much. God bless you, Leah. Yes, that's what we're all about. We like to walk the walk and talk the talk. We mean what we say and we say what we mean and we do what we say. I was just talking about this this morning to Jennifer about how there's a there's a there's a, a bar that's being set. I want to I want to try to set the bar, not me personally, but help set the bar or anything like that about a man is only as good as his word. That's it. A man is only as good as his word. If a man says, I'm going to do this and then doesn't do it, fucking forget him. You know? And that's that's one of the things that it's a determining factor in who we want to spend our time with and actually give our time to moving forward. Do you, are you, you know, if I say I'm going to do something, it might take me two years to do it. Don't get me wrong, but I will do it. You know what I mean? Or I will give it everything my power to do it. I hear people say all the time, we're actually talking about something specifically right now, but people have said to us, oh, we'll be over and do that, or we'll do that, or yeah, I, I can help you with that, or yeah, blah, 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 and then nothing ever transpires. Nothing ever manifests. That's not a manly thing to do. You stand by your word. A man is his word. So, and that's why the word is the word. Anyway, uh, Jennifer McLaughlin, 3333. Thank you so much, Jen. David Weiss, 25 from Vegas. God bless it. I'm sorry I wasn't in Vegas. We couldn't do it. We Obviously, you guys understand, but we really wanted to be in Vegas next year. Robert Questenberry, 20, Virginia Dare, for a small slice of pie. Thank you so much, Virginia Jenny Dare. G, totally Jenny G, 7, the brew pious from Gartonville. Your name is going to, or I'm just going to keep adding terms to your name. By the t next time I talk to you, I'm going to have to like read a paragraph. Thank you so much, Jenny G. And who's the other one? Polly, Polly Mathing. What's up, my brother, Polly Mathing? Love you so much. Okay, that's going to do it, guys. Thank you so much for the support. We really appreciate it. Uh, we're going to listen to a song, my song, called Only in a World So Godsick. And this is go I'm going to record this. This is going to be off the next record, one of the next records that I'm going to record. And that's it. Okay, I won't see you guys next week. Like I said, we're doing, uh, we're taking a break, but then we'll get right back into it. We've got lots of stuff to cover, lots of things going on. There is so much going on with this church right now, guys. So much going on. Um, I can't even tell you all the things so i'm a little bit buried right now but that's okay we'll get we'll get up for air so okay that's gonna do it for me guys may you always keep yourselves in the love of god looking for the mercy of our lord jesus christ onto eternal life may his grace be with you all amen okay what we're gonna do is listen to a song called only a world so god sick by yours truly okay that's gonna do it guys i love you so much be good to one another okay be good to one another it's necessary we need to be better people and so we'll set the standard. We'll raise the bar, right? Okay, that's what I like to hear. All right, guys. As always, I love you so much. As always, many blessings and much love to all. Of the televised tales of wailed at the songs they've sung, and strung out of melodies that clot the blood, playing tunes angry and rough. Enough is enough, I've done had my fill, still got some fight in me. If I try to please them all, I fall all again, and heaven won't welcome me in, and heaven won't welcome me.
guys at school when I followed their rules Did everything right as they said Memorized the nonsense again and again Took the test and regurgitated Made it through the chains and hoops and fibs But listening to all their lies The wiser I got, the more I learned A man is gonna bring me that prize That gift, it comes from the divine Tired of being fed all this shit. I know it's not like they say it all is. Suffering brings them their bliss. Only in a world so God sick. it all and it's not my job I can only do what he allows the war must come and it must be had make it during my time please I can handle any wicked thing that they bring please just let the kids be or you will answer to me Yeah.